ready for things to get going. Prove it. Prove it. Welcome back to our show. This is Infinite Pulp Presents. It's coarse, rough, irritating, and it gets everywhere. Star Wars, a sand story, a working title. <laughs> this is it. We're on the home stretch. We only got three more movies after this to go and the holiday special after that. So we will figure out from there how we want to do that one. And oh, if boy. we want to pain, pain you through 30 minutes of the holiday special, which is the worst television spot I think I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I've um, never watched it. It's not worth it. They didn't even put it on Disney Plus. They released all these awesome vault um, movies and TV, sh- not movies, but like documentaries and TV shows for Star Wars. Like they got some Ewok adventures on there and all this other stuff. And they left out the holiday special um, Naturally. because it's the it's the worst piece of media I've ever seen in my whole life. Like as far as quality goes, it's so bad. I don't understand how bad it is. Folks, we're talking about The Last Jedi today. It's a beautiful sunny day out for us. I hope it is for you. Max, how are you doing? I am doing swell. It's It's been a bit of a cold snap here in the mountains over the last week or so, and the weekend is supposed to be rainy. Uh, but I'm excited about that because I've got a new job kicking off on Monday, and I would like nothing better than to sit inside all weekend, eat food, drink alcohol, and look into my partner's loving eyes. So I am I am all about that lazy weekend lifestyle, especially now, you know, yes. live it live yes. it while I can because yes. next week that all goes away. And I'm yes. trying not I'm trying not to let it like weigh me down. Yeah. You know? Yes. Are you excited about the new role? I don't know. I'm okay. I, I am I'm excited for the opportunity to get out of the house. I'm excited for the opportunity to be in in a social environment with other people. Like that's that's yeah. like I'm not even sure what that feels like anymore. Are you anxious at all for that? Um a little. But I'm weird anyway, so it doesn't like a, I would, a little extra weird or a little different weird is still weird. So it's, yeah, it's I, I would more think that that like I would get I don't know I I guess anxious not I I'm, I'm I have anxiety about going out into the world and mm-hmm. like trying to figure out how to like be a person again <laughs> and interact <laughs> around people. You I think know, that's like, fine. Yeah. Do I still have the skill? Do I need to do I need to hone it again? Do, do we need to get the whetstone out like on the way in the Uber? Like, all right, let's get this thing going. <laughs> I I just don't know. And so but I have I'm going to Florida this next weekend. So that's going to be I think after May, I'll be fine because yeah. I'm going to Florida and then I'm going to uh, uh, North Carolina. And I got my second shot yesterday. So now I am fully faxed. Congratulations. Um, I think this is one of the podcasts, too, that like we're doing the same week we're posting it. So like I'm posting this tomorrow. So like you guys are getting this fresh up right away. You know, that's something I got to do tonight is edit this as soon as we're done. Um, (laughs) So don't mess up because if you mess up, then it makes it way harder for me. But if you don't mess up, I I know you're perfect. The, the, the the force awakens edit that, that went out on Monday, like literally I sat there and I listened to the whole thing. And I think I made three changes to it. And I was like, (laughs) I could have just made three changes. And it wasn't even like, I needed to cut stuff out. It was like, I think you swore three times or twice. Mm-hmm. And then I had to cut one thing out. And I was just like, oh, that's the easiest edit I've ever had to do in my life. So good. Um, and I get to play way. baseball while I'm doing that. So, yeah, let's keep it that way. Things are good on this side. Um, yeah, it was 87 degrees on last Saturday and it was like 86 on Sunday. Wow. And I was out outside both days and it just, it was great and it was awful, you know, like I don't love that kind of temperature, especially when we be getting 45, you know, not 40, but we've been mostly in like the low sixties, um, mm-hmm. mid sixties, like today, I think it's a high of 66. 
But um, it's starting to get a little more overcast. We're definitely getting, it's starting to look a little bit more like spring in Oregon. Yeah. You know, we're like, you get a couple days of sun here and there, but it's mostly just like 60 degrees to 70 and kind of overcast. It's great. It's, it's, it's wonderful, especially for bald people like me who don't have to uh, wear hats all the time, man. <laughs> I know you love weather like that, and you are definitely in the right part of the country for it. Mm-hmm. I do miss the sun, though. And the reason I miss it is because when the sun's out all the time in Florida, like it like it is, nobody like cares. And just I don't know. There's just something about being in Oregon and how much people love the summer. That's just like the contrarian in me is just like, I just, mm, no, you don't need to love it that much. Don't make it your personality. Please stop yeah. making being in the sun a personality trait. Yes, it's fun and it's cool. But like, but I don't know. Everyone comes to the Pacific Northwest to do stuff outside except for me. So I guess. uh I'm the one missing out on stuff. I think I've been on more hikes the last three weeks than I had the entire rest of the year before that. Really? Holy cow. Yeah, I know. That's honestly so surprising to me, (laughs) especially like my like as my partner throughout the year, like loved hiking. And I would always be like, let's go hiking here. And then they'd be like, no. I was like, why? (laughs) You like hiking. And this is the place I want to go to do this with you. (laughs) No, I want to have something else like not like this. Okay, fine. You tell me when you want to go hiking then. Um, So, yeah, all my like, it's been great. We I've hiked several locations around Portland. I'd never thought I'd see. And just like, it's been fun. And I realized I really don't like hiking by myself, but I'll be happy to go pretty much anywhere with anybody if they want to go. Like, as long as I have conversation while I'm doing it, I'm good. Just hiking by myself makes me so nervous, you know, like, especially out on your side of the world, like bears. Like your yeah. bears are dangerous. Your bears are like grizzlies. We just have black bears and they run away. Well, but bears we in mostly, general, I don't like. We mostly have black bears here as well. Like black okay, bears are good. huge in Oregon. And then we have a few brown bears, but it's it, not you, not they, grizzlies like you get in the Rockies. No, definitely not. Yeah, we're only in the Cascades. So we're like the mountain range that's smaller than the Rockies. It's still probably fun and pretty, but it's like, well, we're not the Rockies. Though mm-hmm. I did think the Rockies, though, would be a lot rockier than they ended up being. <laughs> That's true. They are a little overhyped in that regard. Aren't they? <laughs> What's funny Anyways. to me is that anytime anybody leaves Asheville, they only ever upgrade to the Rockies. Like they, they just they've decided they love mountains and they just need more. <laughs> they go west. Yeah, it's like they get to Denver and they're like, well. Found All right, it. this is where it's at. And it's yeah. like, well, Portland and, Portland and Seattle are just over the mountains. We can't do that. I can't <laughs> go over those mountains. <laughs> so, yeah, this is excellent. That's good. I'm glad you're starting a new job. I'll have to keep on pestering you about it to see what oh, yeah. um, we can. We at. can talk all about it in a future episode once we get through Star Wars. Gosh, yes, we absolutely will. But yeah, let's get in. Let's get in some Star Wars here. Um, we're going to talk about the Last Jedi, the most. And probably not even most, the least controversial film of all Star Wars by far. Right. Nobody has nobody has any differing opinions about this at all. The next movie after this definitely was not changed because of fan reaction. (laughs) Like that definitely didn't happen. So this should be a fun, boring episode for everybody. You you might as well just skip to the Rise of Skywalker. There's no reason to listen to this one. There's nothing important that happens in here. We don't have any opinions this week. Yeah, it's only the greatest fictional character in Star Wars dies, but you know we'll get to that. <laughs> um, anyways, let's uh, let's uh, let's get into some Last Jedi, and I believe we start out the episodes with telling people where this personally ranks on your Star Wars list. 
We do, and as always, I do not have my list pulled up like a noob, so I've got yeah. to scramble and pick that up. Well, I, I can't say, though, that because this is the second movie in the series, right? I mean, obviously, it goes without saying at this point, but this is going to be a spoiler fest. So oh, if for you, sure. for some reason, have not seen this movie and you are planning to, stop listening now because it's only going to get worse. Well, if you haven't seen The Force Awakens and you just started listening to this podcast, please stop. (laughs) Go back and watch The Force Awakens first. And before you do that, you should stop and go back and watch the originals and then the prequels and then The Force Awakens and then this one. So we will see you in about 15 to 17 hours while you get through all those movies. You can come back and watch The Force Awakens with us. Perfect. Um, Yeah, this one ranks for me um, second. This is my second favorite Star Wars film. Wow. After watching it with you, I thought about it because you made a lot of good points. And I thought, you know what? I need to watch this by myself to see like exactly how I feel about this. And after I watched it today, it's still my second favorite. It, it, it's just crap. I love it. It's so good. I, I've, I think it does so many interesting things in Star Wars and with its story that stuff that I really like that doesn't feel um, just copy and pasted. Like, I feel like there's a lot of really good um, like homages and um, fan servicey stuff with this film as well. But I do think it takes that kind of look at it and says, well, let's create a whole storyline that really doesn't matter for the story, but it matters so much for the characters and like who they are. And I, and I really like that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we'll get into it more though, but I, I'm very, I'm very, uh, um, bullish on, on the last Jedi and, uh, very excited and really kind of happy with all of it. Good. Um, good. So what do you, where does it ring for you? Do you get, you got it figured out yet? You're over there. <laughs> yes. Pestering I, your beard. So yes, I, I do. And I am, I am shocked at where it sits on the list, honestly, because I expected it to rank differently when I made my list initially. Um, and it's actually number one, two, three, four, five, six out of the eight we've watched so far. Okay. So you're putting it above the force awakens. Uh, no. oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. That's my list. Gosh, yeah, not so yours. My <laughs> list, my, cur- my list as we sit currently is number one is the phantom menace. Number two is The Empire Strikes Back. Number three is A New Hope. Number four is The Force Awakens. Number five is Attack of the Clones. Number six is The Last Jedi. Number seven is Return of the Jedi. And number eight is Revenge of the Sith. And The Last Jedi is like, go ahead. I love the idea of someone you're reading through your list and it says The Last Jedi. And then the immediate next line is Return Return of of the the Jedi. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute. Wait, hold on a second. How is this? Yeah, so it's not, and this is something I pointed out too about like Revenge of the Sith itself. It's not that I don't like it. It's just that the others are so much better. Mm -hmm. And so like Force Awakens for me, it's just, it's got, it's got some excitement to it. And it's got that like newness and sense of wonder that I really feel like The Last Jedi does not. And I feel like Last Jedi, I, I, I was just, I'm continue to be just like perplexed and i don't (laughs) dislike it yeah i'm and i i think if if we had had the opportunity to see where they were taking us on that journey i might like it more 
right? If I could see all the foreshadowing that they were laying out and all the pieces they were putting in place, right? Mm -hmm, It's like, mm -hmm. it's like watching the first half of a chess game. It's like, there's not a lot of excitement happening. It's just like people moving pieces around and getting ready for the exciting part of the second half of the game. That's spoken like someone who doesn't know anything about chess. So forgive me if you care about chess, because somebody just watched the Queen's Gambit. I know stuff. I didn't. I watched it like three months ago and I do not know stuff. And I am saying that openly. Um, But it's just like, so much of it feels like they don't quite get where they're trying to go. And I understand so much of what they're trying to do. And this happens a lot in film for me, which mm-hmm. is why I appreciate films so much and seeing different like directors take on different roles and stuff, especially within a similar series is you can see like, Oh, I see what you were trying to do here by showing us this or by, you know, stringing these scenes together in this way or by, you know, having the arc go here and it didn't work. Right. And I see what you were trying to do. You almost got there and you just didn't. And there's a lot of that for me in the last Jedi, which is Mm -hmm. why it ranks so low. So return of the Jedi um, and revenge of the Sith are the only ones that I like less than last Jedi. And Honestly, like Kylo is one of the biggest reasons that this is as high on the list as it is because he That's is fair. just yeah. Um, man, I would I would watch his character do anything. I would watch a whole series about him. It was so good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I think I, yeah, I'm I'm with you on Kylo. Obviously, it's ranked second on my list, and and it probably would be ranked higher than that if um if I wasn't wearing like if like. If this sequel trilogy came out in the 70s and 80s and I saw this first and then I saw Empire Strikes Back after that, if like the roles were reversed, this may be my number one movie instead of Empire. Just because, I don't know, I think nostalgic looking back on Empire and what it means to me and like the fact that like it's just such a critical part in that series sure. um, in that trilogy Um I'm not sure it'll ever leave my number one spot because of that. But I think the things that you I maybe disliked about The Last Jedi is things that I really, really enjoyed. Um, mm. Like I um, we'll get into it. Let's 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 get into. Well, I mean, we're into it now. I really enjoyed um, the specific. I like movies that reflect real life um, situations. And, and it's hard to do that in a Star Wars movie. Uh, but I guess what I mean is, is you've, you've, you set the parameters of your universe of like, okay, the force exists, lightsabers, you know, communications can go across light years of space. Doesn't matter. Instant transfer. You know, I'm happy with all of that. You've set everything out there. Like I get it. I accept it. But a lot of times what I don't like about films is how everything ties up so beautifully and nicely. Like clearly this was a story and a piece to be made for people. And I feel like the last Jedi is more about a glimpse into the lives of these people and like what's happening and not necessarily feels like it was written. It doesn't feel so much written to me as it feels just that I'm existing with them. And specifically what I mean by that is when Poe and Rose and Finn go off on their adventure to Cantobite and try to fix everything and do all this Mm -hmm. stuff and it fails and it doesn't mean anything. And it literally has almost no effect on the overall arcing story other than the fact of Poe grows as a character. Like these characters are growing during this time, but it's not affecting the outcome of the film other than like the growth that they have. And I think that reflects like people looking at something and saying, oh, I need to do this now 
and not really understanding or having the full piece of the entire picture and stuff and making those mistakes. And a lot of times I don't think movies allow like the mistakes that people make in films. A lot of times have a direct obvious impact on the outcome of the movie and the story. And I feel like this didn't have such a direct, obvious impact. The impact's still there, but it's not as obvious as direct. And if you remove the scene, you could pretty much do the exact same movie the entire time. Like, you just pick somebody, you know, all you would have, like, what what happens? Like, what do they do? They, like, the I don't know. I just, I kind of felt like, I felt like they had to give Finn, Rose, and Poe something to do because this is a Kylo Ray story. Um, so, go ahead. Just finish and your thought. what they did is they decided, I felt like, to build character and to use that time to flesh out Poe. Like, Poe's entire storyline of... Yeah, a flyboy who wants to shoot at things and a really yeah. bad plan to like no and like okay he's starting to think at the end of the film he's becoming a leader and becoming a commander and doing that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and I think part of that is because he failed hard at Canto Bite. not he wasn't there but you know like he realized that sometimes immediate action to blow things up and to like fix something is not always like the plan you need yeah. to see the big picture and not like right. what kind of because they were thinking this is the impact i can have right now instead of okay what does this really mean for the big story and i think people think that a lot they think what is the impact i can have right now i need to fix this i need to do something and then they do it and then six months later you're like well that didn't really matter at all mm-hmm. and i kind of feel like that's what this film is somewhat and i love that i love all that kind of stuff in movies where like that doesn't matter one bit and i'm so yeah. glad they put that in there Interesting. Because oh, it feels I, real to me. So Yeah, I, I totally get that. And I think I think that makes a lot of sense. And I totally agree that like this is a story of the middle component of a lot of characters' arcs. Right. And so you're like building these arcs out yeah. and you're watching these characters grow and challenge themselves and be challenged. And you're sort of like deciding for yourself, along with the characters, like, is this who I want them to be? Um, yes. One of the things that I think really comes out of that casino scene, though, that we're going to touch on when we talk about this third movie is the fact that they interact with those little kids. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really, really big deal that they set up that interaction with those children. And the last scene of the oh, film, the last scene is so good, is that little boy so good. with his rebel yeah. insignia turning his, you know, broom into mm-hmm. a lightsaber. Right. Oh, and there's there is absolutely something there. And we never get to see what it is because the public backlash for several things like that and then solo back to back was enough to scare them yeah. into changing the story, mm-hmm. which yep. is really unfortunate because the way the story was going to be is incredible and makes sense of everything that you see in this movie. And so obviously, yeah. if you if you if you take a snapshot of the middle arc of all these characters and then you never let them finish those arcs. Well, obviously it's going to feel incomplete. Obviously it's going to feel useless. Obviously yeah. it's going to feel pointless, right? So it's like they pulled the rug out from everybody and then people were upset about that too. And so they were really, you know, they were backed into a corner. They were stuck between a rock and a hard place because if they had stuck to their guns, people would have been upset too. But one of the things I'm learning is that in any beloved series, no matter how hard you try to make something that people are going to be happy about, you know, it's like Jiminy Cricket said, you can't please everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's I, you, I think at some point in your life, you have to remove yourself of like creative control in your mind of your favorite franchises. 
you have to be like, you know what? I'm not in a position to make these stories, so I can't do that. So let's let's like back up a second and watch what somebody else makes and see what their story is. And you know what? That's their vision. And if I don't like it, great. And if I do, great. But like, let's not let's not throw a tirade online about it so much, right. you know, and like, yeah, post your opinions, please. But we don't need 45 to an hour long video about why The Last Jedi was so bad over and over and over and over. I don't know. I, I, I just feel like it's hard. I get it. Star Wars is so tough. And even the setup from The Force Awakens really didn't do a lot of justice for this movie, I feel like, because you're not giving Luke the like, I feel like if Luke would have been an integral part of the first film, had his experience he had in this film, mostly the same way, obviously the kind of islands would have to be different. And Luke still ends up dying at the end. I think people are way more happy about that than they are because we just get such short time with him. You know, yeah, I think I agree. I think that's a big issue. I think people were ready to say goodbye to Han Solo in the first movie and be like, you know what? We're ready. Like, I wasn't. I was like, not. <laughs> like, I get why he like I get why he dies. Nobody, nobody important after this, like has an on screen death. One of the big things I feel like and I was thinking about this last night um, while I was preparing, I think one of my least favorite things about this whole trilogy is that they don't make any sacrifices of new characters that matter. Yeah. Like, like I understand Han and Luke and Leia are kind of like the Ben character of the whole series for Ray. And mm-hmm. she has to see every single one of them die. And like, I get that affects it, but there's just no, like we were introduced to Ben and then Ben died an hour and a half later. And you're like, Whoa. And you got to see him. You got to live with him for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that had some an emotional weight to it. And I don't feel like, any of the deaths really have emotional weight because I haven't seen and like heard Luke and Leia and Han for 30 years. Like it's been 30 years since they've played these characters. If not long, it's 50 years. You know, it's been so long since they, since they played in the original trilogy. All that I've seen from them is like books and stuff. So like, I didn't care really all that much when they passed away both times. Because like, I was, it was more like a, you know what? That's 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 nice. I'm glad like Luke gets to have a send off that way, and I'm glad that Han gets to have a send off um, the way he the way he did. I don't know. What do you what do you? I think it's all about passing the torch. I think that's something they set up even in the the Force Awakens is this notion that like Finn is the new like sassy gunslinger, right? Mm-hmm. And bit big deal, you know. Keep the gun, right? Like there's there's a very intentional like passing of the torch generationally so. mm-hmm. right and i think this was intended to be that for the next generation of kids right this is the new, these are their han and leia and luke yep. right and and so they can grow up watching them and and see them go on more adventures and i think what's hardest for me about all of it is the fact that these characters relationships you know um were were defined by each other Right. Like, so they had each other and that's something we'll talk about in the next review. But like, you know, their relationships were what mattered not only to not only to them, but to the universe. Right. Like their friendships helped save the universe. And the fact is that at the end of it, you know, at the end of their journeys that we see, um, 
Luke has gone into self-exile, right? And Han and Leia get to be together very, very briefly before everybody is done. And that's yeah. that's what's really hard for me is this awareness that like they don't really get to see each other. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of sadness in that for me. Yep. But I, there's I agree. also there's also this component to it that I want to sort of circle back to, which is this issue that like the issue of Luke's exile, right? Are you can we talk about that now? Can we oh, dive into that? Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Well, like let's just we're gonna we're not going to go like act one, act two, act three. We're going to be okay. all over the place. And then, well, if I have questions at the end, I'll ask them, but we're okay. going to talk until we, until we need, like the only reason I write <laughs> questions is, is to produ- keep producing content. If we can do okay. it without doing that. Yes. Let's do it. All right. So yeah, Luke's exile has been a hotly sort of debated topic concept thing. And people, people, deb- you know, people say he, he would not have done what he did, what they claim he did story-wise. And I can totally see it. It's totally believable for me that if you are faced with the training of the most precious jewel to your dearest friends, right, their child who is gifted, and you feel like, you know, for all the good you you did your father, that ultimately he was still taken from you, right? Like, you're you're terrified of this power. Like, you know how dangerous this stuff is and can be. You've seen its full might come brought to bear, right? Like the emperor... Mm -hmm was his villain and so living with that like you absolutely would have like ptsd from that experience right like it would mentally wreck you yeah to have to sit there and try to live with that um 100 and i think a lot of times you get lost on people that like there's been several decades of time and space between when this like when Return of the Jedi happens and the Force Awakens happens, right? Mm-hmm. And I understand we don't have a lot of those like gaps filled in canonical um, value, but I, I feel like Luke Luke is a, a legend. Like he's not just Luke. Like Luke is like okay, who killed the Emperor? Luke Skywalker. Nobody's gonna like nobody's gonna say Darth Vader killed the Empire. Like right. even though he did. Like Luke is the like the one who did it. And Luke destroyed the first Death Star. And so Luke is, from the galaxy's standpoint, like the greatest hero we've ever seen, mm-hmm. you know? And those are the expectations placed on him. And now he has to go into that and train the next set of Jedi, who he understands, like, from the prequels and all of that, like Luke probably knows, maybe, he, you know, obviously he knows his history because he talked to Ray about it, but like he talks about that, the height of the Jedi, like, and at our most powerful, we failed because we were wrong mm-hmm. in what we were doing. And I'm trying to not let that happen. Yep. And so maybe like his understanding that the force cannot just belong to the Jedi is why he goes to die. And like, I will be the last person of this religion that like, is trying to hoard the force from themselves right in in a really weird selfishly like good prophet like prophetic prophetic way of like oh the good guys have to win the light side of the force is the way to go right and, and that, no go, go for it i'm just gonna say that that you 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 hit the nail on the head and this concept of, of like the 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 destruction of this sort of false dichotomy Right. The destruction of this concept of good and evil of Jedi and Sith. Right. It's like he's trying to break down the established power structures and Mm -hmm. say there is there has to be 
a better way. Yeah. Right. And, there and, has to be a better way. And he's probably thinking this while he's training Kylo and while he's yes. doing this. And then he experiences what he does. And he's right. like, which is something that I do want to talk about. And it is a question. And I don't want to mistrack what we're talking about now. So I'm going to save it. But the, the, just the idea that Jedi have ha- in every single series that we've experienced so far, Jedis have had visions that have come true because they had the vision. And like went to go prevent it. But if they didn't go prevent it, the vision, like the thing wouldn't come right. true. Like, and it's just a every single time. And, and it typically the only time it's ever really worked out well, in my understanding, is um, when Luke goes and saves Leia and Han on the at uh, at Bespin at the Cloud City. Because when Anakin has his vision, he kills his wife. He kills a bunch of sand people like. Anakin just has tons of destructions with all of his vision, right? Nothing good comes mm-hmm. from that. Nothing good comes from the vision that Luke is having right now about Kylo rising up and having all this Im- immense power. And I'm sure he's afraid that Kylo's going to turn into Vader or it, it, I 100% believe it. To all, all right and back down to that, I, I totally buy Luke going like moving into exile. And, and, and I think. I think both Luke's can exist at the same time. Like, I don't think you need to say Luke is not this all powerful Jedi. I think you need to say Luke was that for 10 years. And then he started to train the next like things of Jedi and was trying to go a different route with them. And he failed. And when he failed at that, like even during return of the Jedi, he wasn't, he wasn't like a warrior. He wasn't, he he wasn't, he wasn't some sort of like deific God, right? He was just a kid. And I think that that messed him up. And I think you see it, that he carries a lot of that struggle and a lot of that frustration with him in his future like mm-hmm. life. And so what 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 I think is really sad is that like I totally buy that he didn't like that he believed that this bad thing was going to happen. Right. Because the way they present it was great. And I think it needed about, you know, we talk a lot in the show about moments, right? That moment longer, that moment needed to be longer because that when he says, when he says, I saw, I saw the future, right? When he finally fesses up to it, right? Because he lies at first. Yeah. He he lies to Ray. And I think in doing that, he's also lying to himself. Why do you think he he lies to Ray? Do you think it's because he sees Ray's goodness and doesn't want to like- ruin his own image like it's a self-protection thing no i think i think he doesn't want to give her hope i think he is intentionally saying Mm -hmm. i i screwed up um and and he is bad because um because he doesn't want to give foster any illusion that, that that kylo can be saved for for two reasons one because he wants he wants to to sort of flagellate himself right he feels terrible about what he did he feels like he failed that's why he you know exiles himself it's like clearly i'm not cut out for this i wasn't meant to wear this mantle so i give it up right uh the empty throne sort of like imagery mm-hmm. constantly and so there's that component too where he's like i want you to understand that he is evil because he still also has this fear that that Kylo is going bad 
right? And he knows it. He can feel it. He can sense it. But if he tells, if he tells him I hesitated and then thought better of it and he was disappointed in me, then that adds so much nuance to it that it makes it possible for Ray to believe that she can still save Kylo. And I think at that time, Luke does not believe that Kylo can be saved. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I, I like that reading of it, of it a lot. Um, and you said something there that I wanted to touch on too. And I cannot remember. I started thinking about other things. The empty just, throne. The, we're talking about like him giving it up because he was scared. Oh, I remember. You letting the moment about, happen. Yeah. You talked about Return of the Jedi a little bit. And I, I love, and I think the ending of Return of the Jedi gets such praise because it's awesome. It's a really great three plane of action kind of like film like mm-hmm. piece. And I love that aspect of it. But I think people inflate what Luke actually does way more than he actually does. You know what he does? He runs around and he like he runs away from Vader because he knows he cannot beat him. And he throws his lightsaber down and it says, I will not fight you. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do this. And like that totally tracks from like where he's at now of like, this is we got to change it. This is not the way Mm -hmm. we cannot just run in there with our laser swords and fight (laughs) the first order. Like that is not how we're going to complete this mission. Yeah. Like we have to like inspire and, and, um, and I, I just think that gets missed on a lot of times. I think people, I absolutely agree. That's phenomenal. And I don't really necessarily want to say people or generalize things, but I do feel like if you have read a lot of the legends books, it's very easy to look at Luke and be like, okay, Luke is a bad, like, he is so powerful and so good. And like any video games that you play with Luke, it, he's like the, the top level Jedi that you can get, you know, like right. you never played as Luke in any of the games because like, that's unfair. <laughs> you right. know, like what are we going to do? <laughs> right. Right. And, and so I just feel like, man, I, I love it. I love Luke's characters in this. And I love his little sassiness that he brings out. He's like, he's been on a, an Island by himself for 10, 15 years, however long it is. Ten, we'll say Probably five or six years, because it looks like Kylo is maybe thir- 14, 15 when when Luke has this vision of him. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how long. Um, I'm always kind of assuming Kylo and Rey are around the same age, but they may not be. Kylo may be far older than that. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see a timeline of like exactly how long Luke was on that island um, yeah. for. But yeah, it's it's just a. I don't know. I understand where everyone's coming from at Luke. And I think that's what I'm talking about. Kind of like cutting yourself off from that piece of being like, okay, it's not my thing, but I'm not going to get upset about it. You know, right. like, okay. Um, and so I get it. It's just happened to me. This one just happened to be my thing. Like I, I understand why other people don't like it though. Um, I have something else about Luke, Luke. So he, he closes himself off to the force. And I think I'd like mm-hmm. to explore that a little bit. Um, sure. since we're already on the topic of Luke. Um, my my main question, and we can start here, is how I guess how is that possible? Like, like for the force flows through all things and everything, and I think him closing himself off to the force is kind of a nod to like how masterful he actually has control over this. Yeah, because I don't feel like many people would be able to just say, "No, I'm totally shutting this part of my body off." Like, I feel like he would have to have trained to, like, do that and and to have that kind of control. And so I think it's kind of a nod to say, yes, Luke currently is in a state that you may not like, but he is still incredibly powerful and he is still a Skywalker. You know, like 
Yeah. He's, he's still Anakin's kid. You, like, and that shows at the end when he projects himself onto that planet light years away, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's. And that's and, something that I think is really powerful to point out is just the awareness that like he is, his power is not in battle, right? His, right. his, yes, his, skill, exactly. his, his power in the force is not combat. His power in the force is use of the force, right? He still senses the good in his father, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's how force sensitive he is. He's just like a mega force sensitive guy. And so he's able to sense that he's able to sense all these things. And so by, by closing himself from that, I, I can also imagine that it's like, that it's like peace for the first yeah. time since yeah. he left his home because he's, he's had to shoulder all of these feelings and, and sorrows and responsibilities, right? It's like, it's like the, being open to that is like having your throat eye open. It's like awareness of all the combined sadness and joy of everything that lives. And it's like, that's exhausting. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It is. No, I, I fully, I fully buy kind of all of him closing off, closing mm-hmm. himself off to the force and really kind of just what it means overall of, of like yes. how, how incredible that skill actually is, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. And I think you're totally right too. We touched briefly on this, but just like when he does realize what he's done, what he's becoming as a, as a mentor, as a leader, he, he sees himself becoming a person who deals in absolutes, right? He sees yes. himself mm-hmm. in, in the pursuit of yeah, good, that's a good point, eliminating evil. And it's like eliminating evil before you give it a chance. It's like thought police, right? It's like this, the, the notion that like you start to try to prevent crime before it happens. If you're doing that, then you've, you've stolen people's autonomy, right? You've stolen yeah. their, their, their that's, opportunity to make their own decisions. That's a whole other Tom Cruise movie we can go down to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yo, you're, 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 you're right there. And it's, it's, yeah, I just, I feel like Luke has, um, just, just so much immense power and it was displayed the way that people did not want it to be displayed. Right, 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 um, right, right. And, and I they, get they wanted to see the glorious conquering hero, right? Yes. Yes, they did. They wanted honestly wanted to come Luke. They wanted Luke. And I feel like they probably I love the line, but I do kind of feel like maybe folks found it maybe that's not a slap in the face, but like when he's looking at Ray, he's like, what do you expect me to do? Like walk out there with my laser sword and like yeah. fight the whole, I think that's kind of like a dig at, at, at yes. an intentional dig at the audience. Uh, it's you know? not unintentional. I absolutely believe oh, you think, that. You that think they, that was there that intentionally? Was in, yep. Oh, yep. interesting. I, I, and Because he intentionally, he, he's intentionally derogatory about his weapon. Right. And, and like, like you said, I think it circles back to this idea that this is the, this is the thinking. This is the sort of like, conflict and problem solving that failed his father in the first place, right? Like this sort of like us, them, black and white, good and bad is what sets up this para- these paradigms for hurt people like Ray and Kylo to feel like they only have one option before them, right? And so mm-hmm. these powerful people who are capable of a lot of good and a lot of evil go down one path because they think that's all they have the choice to pursue. Yeah. Yeah. I never, I never really considered the aspect of, of Luke starting to deal in absolutes, but I do think that is very relevant here. Yeah, um, the, the dichotomy of the force is a whole thing throughout this entire thing. Like the way they set up the dyad with Ray and, and Kylo, like this duality, this notion of like mm-hmm. both sides of the force, I think is really, and the notion that like a dark side user can like use 
good powers and stuff and vice versa. And we'll get more into that in the next movie. So I'm Gosh, yeah, I know. Just, just, just giving ahead a little bit there. Uh, I was like, the dyad? What is that? Yeah, but <laughs> they're starting They're starting to sense each other and they're starting to be connected in ways that we have not seen anybody be connected so far, right? Yes. And, and I that, love that aspect of the Force. Yes. Um, sorry, go for it. Finish yeah, your thought. I, no, that's it. I was just going to say, I think when Luke says what do you want me to do? Go out there with my laser sword and face down the whole first order. Like he's not just, he's not just talking about like the audience, even though he is, he's also talking about this like false idea that one, one fighter can take on an army. Right. right? And that's, that's not even, even if he managed to take on a lot of them, he wouldn't be able to take on all of them. And that's like, that's the point. And that's why he, when he does show up, at the end of the film, he's not showing up in person to actually try to fight. He's showing up to try to change one person's mind. Yeah. He's, he's trying to reach one person. Mm-hmm. Right. And understanding, understanding that and seeing that realism that he has. Right. It, Cause it is, it's, he, he doesn't harbor any like inflated ego. Right. It's not about, he doesn't think of himself as I'm Luke, the legend. He thinks of himself as I'm the guy who failed my best friends because I sensed evil in their child and I judged him for it before he even yeah. had a chance to make the decision. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's a, um, an aspect of even throughout the, the, the original trilogy. And you could see this in, in Anakin. And I, I like the dichotomy between Luke and Anakin a lot because Anakin stood up and said, I, I will fix everything myself mm-hmm. and I will be doing these things. And I am right. powerful enough to change all of these things myself. And, and, and the emperor said, yes, yes, you are. And mm-hmm. like, just massage that ego and massage all of that, even though Vader doesn't have that ability, like the, the emperor knew how to kind of like grasp and touch those strings and, and pull mm-hmm. that, which is what Snoke's doing to Kylo right now. And the end of this, like the end of the throne scene, Kylo's like, we can fix this. We can be the ones that fix the galaxy together. Mm-hmm. Like I, we can do this. Having that absolute belief in yourself that like, I will be the one that fixes us. Not we will be the ones that like collectively go through and fix right. this together. Right. Um, and Ray is like, save them. We need them. Like we have to have these people. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think, I think that kind of, maybe Luke sees that in Ray a little bit and Ray's just like, you know, the galaxy may need you, but I just, I need you to show me where I'm at. Like, I need mm-hmm. to understand where I'm at in the force. I need to understand where I know it's going to take more than just myself to do this. Yeah. But I have to figure out myself first before I can like go help out these other people as well. Right. Um, and you get that in return of the Jedi, um, where, that those planes of actions you have are in space with Lando on Endor with Luke with not Luke, but with Leia and Han. And then mm-hmm. in the Death Star with Luke. Right. Yep. It is not done by a single person. Luke happens to be the one facing the emperor because that was his role. Like right. Luke understood. I need to go do this. You need to go do that. And you need to go do that. And that's everyone how everyone has land. a part to play. Yeah. Right. And I, and I feel like. The first order devolved, not the first order, the resistance kind of devolved into a we're the only ones that can do this and we're not going to be able to do this without Luke. Like Luke has to be here to save us. And and I think this film is showing us and going down that path. And I I think it does move into rise of the Skywalker and that whole message rather well. I think this one aspect of the last Jedi moves into, to rise of Skywalker and the, the need for the collective and the need for just Mm -hmm. not one. Um, 
And, and I think I think Luke understands that at this point. And, and by failing Kylo Ren in training and failing there, he understood like I, I may not be the one that that can fix all of this. We, this cannot right. be just myself. Um, so if I can't do it, I'm going to remove myself. You know, he made a wrong choice. He should not have gone to exile. Like that's fair. He should have probably not gone that path. I think, um, but I th- it makes I sense. Think- yeah, I, I don't think he was exiling like himself for that one bad decision. I think he was exiling himself for the awareness that this this power that he had, even even in someone as good as he wanted to be, was not unilaterally like fail proof, failure proof, mm-hmm. right? Like he he was just like this is too great a power for anybody to wield. We so need to get rid of this. Do we feel like, um, Luke? <sighs> I'm trying to to connect what you just said to kind of Kylo. So by him removing himself, did he, do you think Luke at that point said, oh, Kylo is not a full Jedi yet and like still in his training and there's nobody else out there yes. to train him. I can walk yes. away from this yes. as it is and be okay yes. with it. Cause I, um, I also think in doing that, he also thought he was saving Kylo because there was no I do one too. else. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that's when Snoke comes along. Right. And so, and so it says, you know what? You were wrong. I can, and because I Luke can, is closed off from the force, he can't tell. He, he doesn't know Snoke is there, right? And mm-hmm. he doesn't know how powerful Kylo has grown. Because if, if and Luke wants to not be found, he says that. He's like, I didn't come to the like most unfindable right. place in the galaxy to be found, obviously. Or did he because he left a freaking map? He left a map. So why did he leave a map? That's, that's such an interesting thing. And I asked that about the Force Awakens too, is like, like, and I think, can you explain just again? I know you had a beautiful explanation of the Force, the Force Awakens when we talked about it, but just kind of go over mm-hmm. what your thoughts about why he left the map again. Yes. It, I, I love that aspect of it. Yeah. So I think, I think even in his darkest minds corners, right, in his like really sad perspectives, he hadn't lost hope of either. And I think there was this component of awareness to his reality that drew out the part of his early life, which was that one message in the right hands can make all the difference. Right. And so I think he, he, he left, he separated the map. He left the main components of the map with R2 and then he took out another piece and he basically just gave it out to the force. And he said, you know, if, if I'm needed, I imagine someone will be able to find me. Yeah. And, and I think, and then he shut himself off from it so that no one could just like sense him. Right. And so, he, he, he hadn't, I don't think he'd really given up, but I think, you know, in the same way that if, if you've lost all hope in your own life and you, you decide to live out your days in self-imposed exile, like, but you're still choosing to be alive, right? Like at that point, if you're so, if you've given up all hope, why even bother? Mm-hmm. Right. But he's still there and he's yeah. still, he's still like, well, lets that map be out there. And I think that that speaks a lot to his. Mm-hmm his inability to truly let go. And, and and that moment that you see it change in his mind too, about like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll train you now. Like right. when Ray, Ray comes and talks to him and cause his question is like, why are you here? Like, yeah. okay, I understand the first order, like the resistance sent you, but like, mm-hmm. why are you here? Like, why right. did they send you? Right. And I think her answer of, well, I don't need you to be a legend. I need you to teach me. And like, I'm not going to fail you. And, and I think when he, when 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 did he open himself back up to the force? Is it not until their fight scene? Because he can't see Kylo there the entire time, and yeah. then he suddenly sees Kylo, 
and blows up the building. So like, when did he, when do we think he opened himself back up to the force? I think, I think he sees, I think Ray is so powerful that she opens it for both of them. Mm-hmm. I think, I think there's basically, she just basically opens a portal and she's so powerful in the force and she and Kylo, their connection is so powerful that, that basically a portal opens and he's just like there, <laughs> yeah. right? And Luke sees that. And oh, that's, yeah. that's because he walks in on them. He's like, what's going on, friends? And, and we think Kylo is actually there with her in the hut, right? right? Like not just metaphysically, but like legitimately, like, cause they touch hands, right? Mm-hmm. And so that is interesting. And it she's portal, there with him. It? I think, it, yeah, because it's not it's not just him teleporting to her. It's her being with him, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they are capable of existing in two places at the same time because of their connection to each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and Snoke. Snoke is allowing all that to happen, too, because he talks yes. about that. And he says, yeah. do you guys think you could do this on your own? No. Right. <laughs> like, you right. were not powerful enough, and you were not smart enough to figure it out. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of did this for you. Um, and so, yeah, that, that being, and, and maybe Snoke is trying to fish out Luke too. And so he's like, okay, well, Ray, we kind of know is out there looking for Luke. If she's found him and can you, we let Kylo and Ray have that connection. Maybe I can find out where Luke is at. Cause mm-hmm. even Kylo is like, where's Luke? Is he with you? Like, where is he at? Like, he's still trying to find Luke. Like their goal is still trying to kill that last Jedi yeah. um, to go through that. Yeah. Ah, man, that, that it's such a awesome like expansion of the force and i think we mm-hmm. got a little bit of it in the force awakens but really we got a lot of it in in the last jedi with the portal the connection between the two you're seeing just all these amazing force stuff happens i love that i love the way they've expanded the force in this series um mm-hmm. so much more than what we got before um do you think the force awakens is any tie to like luke having an awakening as well like this kicks off like this incredible thing where like ray finn are awakening to the force and also Luke is also okay. Luke needs to be awakened to this now too. Like the kids, the kids on the casino planet, like everyone and everyone, it it, it comes from the, the, the dissolution of this sort of like dichotomous thinking, right? This like good and evil black and white thinking that, that was so sort of fundamentally um, central to the theology of the Jedi. And now it's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) like every everyone else is like waking up from their sleep right Mm -hmm. yeah because i'm imagining too the emperor probably had such a stranglehold over the force of the galaxy throughout that entire time like he couldn't control luke but he may be able to help suppress force like around everybody else too so -hmm. we're not getting these force users popping up you know all over the place and 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 searching out and that kind of stuff yeah Um, so i don't know maybe that's giving the emperor too much credit um for that but, um, but I think it's also, they also talk a lot about how the forces balance, right? And this notion of like good and evil balance each other out. Um, and so for a long time, like the Jedi thought they had to exist to to combat the Sith. And like, does the Sith get angry because the Jedi pretend to have so much power? And so it's just mm-hmm. like this, you know, it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy, this like negative feedback loop where all this horrible stuff keeps happening because all these people keep making these stupid yeah. unilateral decisions. Yeah. And it's. I don't know how much everybody else knows about like the rest of Star Wars, but like throughout all of Star Wars property, there are Sith and light users that are not connected to the Jedi mm-hmm. at all. Like there are Sith. I mean, especially in like the old, old Republic, you get a ton of Sith people out there um, or just people who are like and even folks who 
are exploring the Force and are not necessarily Sith or Jedi. They just want to know. Like, I, I like, uh, yeah, I, I think you agree. I think the Force, the Force Awakening, and then the Last Jedi of just being like, this is it. Like, this is the end of the Jedi religion. Like, we are right s- stopping this. Um, and they kind of double back on it a little bit at the very end of the film, where Luke's like, "I'm not going to be the last Jedi," mm-hmm. but I think that is more of a a fun thing to say. Like it's it's a fun moment uh, in, in dialogue. But I also think too that in world like real world in universe experience for Luke, he's saying, "I may not be the last Jedi, but like it it's not going to look like what what it did." You know, right? The, the Ray, old way the old ways are dead. Yeah, they have to die, you know, mm. doesn't mean Jedi have to go away. It just means maybe Luke should have read the original text like like Yoda points and picks at him that he didn't actually do, which I think is a super fantastic, fun little line of mm. of sitting here just like you've sat with the original Jedi text for like how many years and you just never decided to read them ever. Mm. Like he really did not want to be part of the Jedi. Like, cause that's like picking up the, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls and being a theol like, a, like a pastor now mm-hmm. and being like, nope, I don't want to read the original Dead Sea Scrolls like at all. Like, yeah. what, what are you talking about? That's like the source of what you think, you know, like, yeah. of course. Um, and so I, I, I love that little line and, and the joke that Yoda makes there of like, oh, page turners, they are not <laughs> like, yep. Like, yep. you know, ah, uh, it's so good. What do you think about uh, Yoda's, uh, scene? It's my favorite scene of the whole film. It's, it's delightful. It, it's delightful. Yeah. yeah. It's just so good. And I want to ask you a specific question about that, um, that I have written here that you mentioned and something, a line that you really like, but I want to know what it means inside of the context of the film. So when they're sitting at the end and Luke is like, I, I tried and, and Yoda's still just like, you're not, you're not quite getting it. Are you Luke? Like, like that's the bane of like all masters is like, they are what we um, they are, they are, they grow what, you know, they are what we cannot, I forget what he actually says. Like they grow beyond what we are or something like that. Yes. Um, and I, 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 it's an interesting thing, but is, is Yoda there? And this is kind of maybe my thought on it is Yoda saying, you kind of just have to let Ray go for a second. Cause she has this figured out a little bit more than you do at this time in like what's needed in the universe. Um, what do you think that specific line means? Cause I think it's a cool line and I think it's really good, but I'm not quite sure what Yoda's referencing in this film for that. I, I just feel like Yoda's looking right at Luke and saying, I remember a time when a headstrong young Jedi thought they knew better too. And it turned out they did. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like this, this awareness and this notion that like for all our wisdom and all our experience, sometimes what we think is right is not. Okay. Yeah, I like that read of it because that that really pulls back to Empire Strikes Back of yeah. of Yoda saying, no, don't go. And Ben yeah. being, no, you can't go. And and, Yoda, and Luke being, this is the right thing to do. We have to go do this. Like, <laughs> you can't stop me. You can't stop me. <laughs> and, and Ray leaving, I feel like, and going after and trying to save Kylo is that very same thing mm-hmm. of just – I don't care, Luke. I, I have to try. Like, I, you know, what am I going to do? Sit here with you for the next 10 years and like not affect the world at all and just learn about the forest? Right. Like, you know, I have to do something. Um, and I think that clicks for for that moment is where it kind of clicks for Luke a little bit of saying, yeah, I kind of have to do something, too, don't I? Like, I need I need to have an effect on this. Like, as much as I can right now, I have to have this effect. 
Yeah, I love that whole interaction. And I love that Yoda is like silly again, because in the prequels, he's so serious. Yes. And he's... so melodramatic and 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 just like somber. Mm-hmm. And and remembering him as that like joke cracking wise wise guy is just yeah. so fun. It is. It is. It's, I like seeing fully actualized Yoda and not like stressed out military leader Yoda. <laughs> you know? Yes. Like he he Yoda wants to be sitting around teaching younglings how to use the force. Like I feel mm-hmm. like that's where he is like at. He just happens to be smart enough and capable enough to need to be on the Jedi Council as well. Uh, and so yeah. but I do think his core lies in like we need to let these people do their thing and let these Jedi and I made mistakes. And so we have to like, we have to let her fix this a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and he also like actually burns down the temple, right? Yes. Like, like Luke yes. can't bring himself to do it. And then Yoda basically goes, oops. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and does it himself. And I think that's really important too, because he knows that whether he does it or it's like, it's already burned down in Luke's mind. Right. So why not mm-hmm. just let it burn for real? Yeah. Like let it, let it go. And I think in doing that, he's also liberating Luke from these like old ideas, right? Yes. This notion I think that like, so too. this this ancient way is the way. It's like let it go. In the same way that like let Ray go, let it go. Mm-hmm. Just just sit here with me for a minute and decide what you want to do. Yeah. Right. And I don't think I don't think Luke has really thought about that since since he was since he started teaching even. I think mm-hmm. once he once he got into the teaching and once he was like, you know, surrounded by it, there was all this weight and all this responsibility and all this stress and all this pressure. And so I think it, it was probably a very long time since he was able to just like sit and take a deep breath and say, okay, what what do I want to do now? Can you can you imagine the the joy and delight that Yoda must have felt as soon as Luke released himself back into the force? Yeah. And just like, oh, oh, he's there. He's back. I'm going to go say hi mm-hmm. to my old friends. Because mm-hmm. I imagine they had been like, like, Luke doesn't know how to train people. Like, Luke barely got trained himself. So, right. like, taking up the mantle to train people, I'm sure that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Yoda were all force ghosting into him and being like, hey, we should probably, you know, let's train mm-hmm. this way. Let's train this way. Like, this is mm-hmm. how you do it. This is what you need to look for. Um, you know, get them when they're young so we can make them right. impressionable so we can mold their minds the way we want, you know? And, st- mm-hmm. and I, I think um, I love the aspect of the Jedi and this is an overarching thing throughout the whole films of the Jedi over and over and over again are like, we have, we, we have to train them when they're young. Like we have to be able to instill our ideals and our minds into them. Cause that's anybody can use the force and be trained to use the force, but that's why they want kids is so they can say, this is the Jedi way. This is mm-hmm. how things have to happen. And I do think Yoda's killing all of that off and saying, we need to let the force do its thing and like stop trying to take it for ourselves all the time. We still mm-hmm. need to fight and use the force in, in the way that we see fit. We just can't, we can't hold it to ourselves and gatekeep it anymore. Like this needs right, to be exactly. out there in the world. Exactly. Exactly. The force doesn't belong to the Jedi and the Sith. The force belongs to the universe. Yeah. Um, and I do like that aspect a lot. It's one of my favorite things about this film too, is just that like anybody can use the force. It's just kind of out there. I think it does a good job of, especially with the kids at the end, the way he grabs the broom mm-hmm. uh, and that double take of like, wait a second, did he just force, force pull that broom? Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, all right, we're starting to get it. You know, we're starting mm-hmm. just as a, I mean, I, I used to take, I still take brooms and pretend they're swords, you know? So like, 
taking a broom and standing up and looking at the sky and pretending the sword is very reminiscent of Anakin being like, I want to go to the stars. Like yep. I need to go to the stars. Like that's Absolutely. where my path lies. And I think that connection there is really, really great. Yeah. Um, what about the, um, I had something else here too about Luke. I don't need to talk about that. Cause we know Snoke is connecting them. Oh, since we're kind of on the Island already, let's just talk about it. The cave scene. So mm. the cave scene mirrors the cave scene from Empire Strikes Back, where he, she goes in there and sees herself. Luke goes in there and he sees himself. Um, she's searching for her parents and she's, she's searching for answers. And yet when she goes to the wall, she sees two figures walking towards her that I believe morph into one. Or maybe it's just one single like figure walking towards her that she can't quite tell who it is. Um, mm. And then she sees herself as she touches the, the ice or the glass or whatever it is. It, it defrosts and then she just she sees herself but it's like the darkest part of the island what's this all mean what, what, what are we what are we taking away from this because it is just as confusing as the empire strikes back <laughs> cave scene and so what's what's your read on 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 why she sees herself why she sees multiple versions of herself like when she looks into it is it just a weird let's show the force in a weird way and mirror the cave scene or how much greater purpose of that to raise character um do you think that is because i she talks about kylo about it and she says i thought i would see my parents but i i didn't i didn't get the answers i was looking for um and so is that kind of maybe a progression of her saying you're not going to find the answers you're looking for here with me you have to go out kind of yes i think it has a lot to do with the 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 light and dark dichotomy because Luke says, don't go down to the darkness, right? And she's seeing it. She's seeing that cave in her mind when he send, tells her, don't do it. Don't go down there. That's the dark side, right? Like, don't don't go that way. And then she does. And, and then she times. does. In her mind, she goes. And Luke's like, you didn't even try to try. And yeah. I think that's really... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to co-opt your conversation. No, go for it. Keep going. I think that's so important to raise character and the destruction of the Jedi. Is, yes. Is... is Ray's like, yeah, I went there, but I'm still me. Like, I can still understand and go into the dark side of the force a little bit and know that it's not who I am. Like, I know who I am as a person and the force is my tool to live with me. It's not defining like who I am. And I feel like the Sith and the Jedi, as much as the Jedi don't want to deal in absolutes, they are. They're dealing with absolutes of like, this is the Jedi way. We have to do things this way. Um, And the Sith kind of got it figured out of like, yeah. We're just going to hoard all the power for ourselves. What are you talking about? Like, of course, like, <laughs> of course, we're going to like go in and use every force power we possibly can use, you know, because really the only force power that the Sith can't use. And we'll get to this later is like force heal. And we don't even that doesn't even exist in this world yet, you know. But like, it's weird that the Jedi have blocked them off from all Sith powers, but the Sith still get to use like all the force, like light, you know, quotes powers. Um, but yeah, I like that read of, of her just kind of understanding that it's more about myself as a person and not letting the force dictate who I am. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'm going and to accept that this is part of me. This is who I am. I need to accept that part of me. And the notion that the dark side of the force is loneliness is like, yeah, so profound. Oh my gosh. Notion, yes. Just her notion, by herself. Uh huh. Yeah. That's, and that's that's ultimately what what scares so many people and drives them to these evil places is because they decide that they yeah. they don't have anybody to look out for themselves except themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where her strength comes from because she was alone for her whole life. Yeah. Right. She, she had to learn to be alone from a very early age and to be okay with it and to continue to have hope. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so like the fact that she goes down there and she hopes to find her parents and instead just finds herself. She's like, I know myself. I know me. This is fine. Right. And she was like, I, I knew I should have been scared, but I wasn't. Right. And yeah. it's like, because, because she knows what this is already. And because yeah. it, it's a, it's a tool, right. It's not, it's, it's like fire. It's like when the first time people find fire, it's like, I'm sure they think it was horrifying and dangerous and people got burned. But then you also learn that it can like give you light and keep you warm. And it's like, it's just a freaking tool, right? Mm-hmm. And how you use it is what matters. And so the fact that she's comfortable there, I think is also very, you can immediately sidestep and, and talk about how she's comfortable with, with Kylo. Yeah. And how, I think so. Because she doesn't, mm-hmm. she doesn't, she doesn't, she can look into the darkness and not blink, basically. Yeah. Right. She can stare into the void. The void can stare back and it doesn't drive her mad. Right. She's like, she's, she's just, she's okay with it. Cause she understands that like everybody has to make tough decisions and try to take care of themselves as best they can. I think in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, but this is the first real, her connection to Kylo is like one of the first real substantive connections she's had in her life since her parents. And so being able, being able to overlook the darkness to pursue what is ultimately the light of that connection, oh, I think is yes. like what defines her. And it, you're right. It ties into this whole notion that she then with this, with this nuanced approach to this old system can sort of like work outside the bounds of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, it just hit me that um, Ray, Ray is mirroring Luke. And we knew that from the original trilogy, right? She's the main mm-hmm. force user. She's the one going off to a deserted Island to, to seek out an old exiled master. Right. No way. Much, no way. This is very similar to Empire Strikes Back. If you, you know, Oh, you have to go save your friends. Maybe let me help you with that this time instead of, instead of the other choice. Um, which I think is really interesting that Luke decides to help and then Yoda and Obi-Wan decided not to um, mm-hmm. at all. Maybe they didn't know how at that point um, to help. Yeah, out. I, 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 that's what I think, too. I, I just think they weren't strong enough. I think Luke yeah. was. Yeah. Um, but Luke is also mirroring, mirroring uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan on Dagobah being like, there is no there is no good left invader. He's gone. And like Luke is trying to instill that into Ray, like Ray, there's nothing left in Kylo. He's he's bad, and Ky- and Ray is like, no, you are wrong. I see something there, and I need to go pursue that. Just like Luke, you saw something in your father, mm-hmm. you know. And I would love to have like that realization on Luke's face. And I don't think we got it here. Just kind of like a, yeah, you know, just like mm-hmm. you did this. You went to save, you know. Um, and I don't know if she said that. I don't. I can't remember. If she's like, just like you saw, you know, light in your in your father. I don't know. I don't know how if that came about. But uh, I like that. I, I like that that plane of action of of Luke's becoming that old kind of set in his way. That's not the Jedi way, but he's still like set in his ways. You know, like he's he's still being stubborn and old, and take this. It needs this young, you know person who can teach him things you know because like luke taught yoda and obi-wan things too and so yeah Mm -hmm. and it takes an enormous amount of like can you imagine how devastating it must be for luke to 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 have made a wrong decision right he made a wrong decision he screwed up he made a mistake yeah and 
then to to say, okay, fine, I won't ever make any more mistakes, right? Yes. That's basically what he does, and that's a mistake. Yes, I know. <laughs> and yeah. to be confronted with that reality, and to not only like face it down, fight fight through it, but come out the other side with a little bit of hope left in you, like. I think that's so much more heroic than him running around with a laser sword and taking on the first order. Just this oh, yeah. notion that like, that's easy. Let's be honest. Over, yeah. That's easy for him. He could run around and take on the first order and it would look awesome. And it would be easy because he's the most powerful Jedi in the universe right now or in the galaxy. Like he still might not have the martial prowess to take them down though. No, I'm right? just saying like, like the, the version of the film people wanted Oh, removes yeah. yes, Luke's emotional struggle and like removes really like a lot of struggle. Yeah. The struggle would have been artificial fighting against Kylo, right? Yeah. Like that would have been the struggle if he was out there fighting everybody. We would have got to see him do some really cool stuff with his lightsaber. Um, but I think you're right. It takes way, it honestly takes way more power as a person to say, oh, I messed up and made a mistake. I'm gonna walk forward, and I may mistake. I may mis- make this mistake. Make may make this mistake again, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna go try. And like, because it's really easy to close yourself off. I want to do that. You know, when you make a mistake, you're like, all right, I'm just never gonna do that again. Then, like, right. Um, and I feel like he finally gets clicked in. And I talked to you about this uh, on the commentary a lot. And my 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 feeling that this entire movie centralized theme is failure and it really comes to head Mm -hmm. with yoda and yoda's like no luke failure is the greatest teacher of all like you have to pass along a being able to accept failure and move on from it because what you did was a mistake and you need Mm -hmm. to show people that and maybe that's the turn for him to go actually help he's like yes you failed and you made this mistake but you can't wallow in that and you have to go do something about it like Because you need to show Ray that she can make a mistake and still come out of it. Like that's mm-hmm. important because that happens in the next movie where Mayor makes a mistake and she still comes out of it. And so, um, yeah, there's lots of good stuff in here. But I think this movie, maybe the reason I love it so much is because it's much more philosophical force than it is like yeah. literal force. Yep. Um, and that's like where like my brain like likes to live and desires, you know, <laughs> let's let's. I, I think about uh, about the, uh, our reviews because we don't really do reviews. We do more of let's talk about all the interesting things that we think happened in this film mm-hmm. and try to break, out, break down like in real like world examples of why this would happen and like try to explain universes and like that kind of stuff. And that's my favorite yeah. thing to do. Um, so this this is probably why it's, it's right up in there. Um, I, I liked your. Um, yeah, I, I want to. I have that. I have that touches a little bit, but I, I think I really have one more question about Luke. Um, if you have more things to say about Luke and want to keep on no, going down that path, we've been on this topic now for a good forty-five minutes, and there's a there's a lot of other stuff to talk about. So my last question for you is: Why does Luke throw the lightsaber at the beginning? Why does he toss it over his shoulder and say no? is it is it a gag is it just for fun are we trying to set up luke's character like what's that does he's just like what does this mean to me now like why are you getting this to me like yeah this is worthless yeah this this is not this is not how this is not how you get what you want this is not giving me any sort of fulfillment or promise this is this is an empty an empty old um like 
it's a relic from an, from an, from a bygone age, right? And it's At not even point. his. It's just like anymore. Yeah. Like that's that's Anakin Saber, right? Like yeah. he's already built himself a new one. He already like he has his green one. And yeah, I think you're right there. It's definitely uh just kind of a uh, oh, it, it harkens back to the to the line of the laser sword. Just like I'm not gonna do that. Like yeah, and yeah, you, you thinking that I'm gonna come save you people like. That's that's not what I'm going to go do. Like, <laughs> but even in that interaction, I think he's trying to illustrate for her how unimportant the martial component of it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's another big reason yeah. he does it is because he's like, this is not the point. Yes, and stop, yes. St- stop worshiping this because mm-hmm. this is not going to get any of us what we want. Right, right, yeah, and and to be fair, that that lightsaber is kind of throughout the whole film. Like the, yeah. the whole, throughout the whole series, honestly, yes. like we need to have that lightsaber from, I mean, that's the first lightsaber we get in and not first, but like, I mean, that's Anakin's from Phantom Menace on, right? Like mm-hmm. that's his, and that's still his lightsaber. And it called to Ray at the beginning or at the middle of the force awakens. So this is something that like, she has an immense connection to. And I think you're right of Luke just kind of saying, no, no, this, this is not who the Jedi are. Yes we can wield these fantastically and we can do things with them well, but this, this is another tool just like the forces and don't define yourself whether or not you have that lightsaber um, or not. Right. It's like going to a cartoonist whose business, uh, you know, whose business has failed and giving him a pencil. Yeah. It's like, right. What am I supposed to do with this? I don't have my pad. I don't have my building. I don't have investors. I don't have artists. I don't have anything. What is this? What good is this to me? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Nope. Yeah. Yep. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Sweet. All right. Let's let's move off of off of that that middle act a little bit and and we can start getting into some of the questions that I have. And these are going to be in order because that's how I watch movies. I don't typically start in the middle or the end. Um, So here are the questions I have for you. Um. This takes place right after The Force Awakens. Like, legitimately, she gives him the lightsaber, he tosses it. Do you like that? Do you like that there's no real time between it and it picks up right away? I felt that was kind of honestly a detriment to the film. And I wasn't, like... It it seems so unrealistic to me to have the Republic destroyed, the Resistance kind of running, and, like, this is it. This is the last stop. I know it does move along with the film. I don't know. I just would have liked to have had this fight is is existing outside of what we get to see um and i and I, I like that aspect of a new hope into empire strikes back where you immediately throw yourselves into luke and leia and han have been together for a while and they're mm-hmm. like out doing stuff together right i, I would have loved to have seen that part of this um i don't know how you get there so much because you would have had to have because you ended the movie with Ray meeting Luke, you know, so you had to have immediately started the movie with like Ray two years into her training and that kind of stuff. But I, I don't know. I, what, what do you like? Do you like that? Do you like that? It's just like a direct. OK, this happens five seconds after the last film. I do. Um, I do. Okay. I like it a lot. And I like it because I think we need it. We need it. Right. And, and, and the component you're talking about where they're out like gallivanting, we don't really get that in the series until the third film. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. when we when we talk about that but this movie is about each of the characters finding themselves basically 
right? And like you said, it's it's fundamentally more philosophical than action oriented. Um, so I like it because because we need to be there at the genesis of Ray's disappointment. Mm-hmm. We need we need to see her hopes dashed. We need to see her answer proven wrong. Right? We need we need we need to see her say, "This is going to fix it all," and then. Luke says no, <laughs> and he just yeah. like walks away, and and her the look on her face where she's like, um, excuse me, and 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 follows right, and that's what's important too is she she doesn't just say okay you were you were a waste of time I'm gonna go find someone who means something she harasses him and she sticks around and she's stubborn as hell, and that's awesome because mm, it means yeah. that like she's committed and we need to see that about her too because the first movie she's really doing a lot of like bouncing she kind of pinballs in the first movie and so watching her take charge of her own life and her own reality and be a little bit more single-minded in her pursuit of her own understanding of right and wrong i think is 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 necessary for us to care more about her Mm -hmm. and to really sort of fill out the the nuances of her character too it's it's about characterization for her i think as much as it is anything and I'm I'm perfectly happy to watch that happen because yeah. there aren't there aren't many movies that do that mm-hmm. right there's no. not many that just pick up right where the last one left off and I think no. there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, chutzpah in, yeah. in trying to make that happen. I think my my issue was at the end when we're looking at twenty people in the Millennium Falcon and like Leia and Poe are like this is now the resistance twenty of us this is it and and I just I'm sitting here like so. Everything you did in The Force Awakens, like you destroyed Starkiller Base, right? That mm-hmm. didn't ignite anything in the uh, in the galaxy. Like the galaxy didn't look at that and say, oh, we need to help fight this. And they just like took this out. Like the Republic's well, gone. And, and, and so we can get to it in, in Rise and towards the end too. But walking away from this film the first time, I was like, I don't know where they're going to go from here. I just yeah. I don't know. Are they how how like are they going to pick this up again right when it leaves off? Are they going to build the like resistance back up? Like it just felt so. I mean, it felt really bleak, and I didn't yeah. understand how it was going to happen. And, and I know that was intentional. It was. Um, it, it just it it didn't. I don't know. I I guess the vastness of the galaxy of Star Wars and the First Order. I guess I don't really. We got a sense of scale with the emperor or the empire. I feel like in the original trilogy, I feel like we got a sense of like, these people are everywhere. We got to see them on Tatooine. We got to see them on, on the cloud city. We, every single place that these characters go, the empire was already either there or very close to get there. Um, they had to hide on Hoth and outer rim planets, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't see the scale of the first order, but I feel like the first order is this gigantic, huge army that's, already has its hands in a lot of the different planets in the galaxy yeah. and the resistance is now 20 people, you know? And I don't, I never got the scale of the first order cause I felt like they were so big and I felt like, how are we going to do this? Like, how is this going to be possible to, to end this? Nobody else cares. Like, and they talked about that. Like Leia, nobody's picking up. Like we called, nobody's right. coming. And, right. And, and, and that's yes. Yes. And they say that even at the end of the first, movie they talk about how 
you know, we've sent beacons out to all the worlds, mm-hmm. right? Like letting them know that the re- resistance is alive, right? Like they say that at the end of the first movie, which really gives you a sense of how short a time frame the second movie happens in. I think so. Because yes. it, because that's that's supposed to be there. It's supposed to add to this feeling of helplessness. That's right. Right. Like this whole film, this whole film is supposed to basically get rid of any hope you have for anything good happening. Okay. Because like everybody fails over and over again. They're being chased the whole film. Right. And and their final gambit, their great getaway is we're going to hide. That's yeah. their gambit is like, that's the best they can do. And and it is brutal that it's like you kick the hornet's nest, you're going to get stung. And that's exactly what they did. And so it's like, where do we go from here? And you have to lose everything to feel like mm-hmm. to feel like your victory means something. Right. Like if, if like you're talking about with the char- with the main characters not dying, where it's like. They don't die, but like all their hopes die and we see all their hopes die and we see their world sort of picked apart from around them, right? Like one ship after another gets blown out of the air behind them as the caravan tries desperately to escape and not run out of fuel. Um, Just the logical side of my brain is just like, there's no way they can come back from this. Right. Like, it's just not possible. I just don't see like all the first, like, you mean the first, like, I don't know, like. And I think yeah. the whole point was to try and set up this like hope in the audience. I think they were trying to build us toward this awareness of like, Luke, you have to save us. Luke, please like come together and finally like pick yourself up, dust yourself off and come back. Right. And I think that's what they were trying to get us to want because what they originally had planned was going to subvert that intentionally in a really beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And instead we got what we got. And I think there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of joy in being able to watch a show where they will will do that to their characters mm-hmm. because it does feel it does feel that much more grounded and that much more um brutal i was and no finish your thoughts i'm changing subjects. i was just i was just gonna say i think it's the crawl of the first movie the uh the the force awakens where it talks about the first order being born from the ashes of the empire right yep. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way I understand it is the First Order basically is the Empire under a new name yep. after the Emperor died. Yep. Right? It was like, who else is in charge? Well, I think that and then the Republic Senate got recreated. It got right. re, like rebanded up together. Um, and we got to think, this is like 20 years later, right? So the First Order has got to have been operating in the Empire's ways. But like kind of, you know, this, this I think... Up until this point, the fight was between the Republic, Senate, and the First Order. Mm-hmm. And now it's the resistance against the First Order. Like, we're now rebels. And, and even Finn says that at the end when he's talking to Phasma. Like, yep, I'm rebels now. Like, I'm a rebel now. Like, that's that's who we are. And that's how we're going to have to fight this thing. Because we lost all of our Senate. Like, we lost every single planet that could help us out with this right now. And like collect because like I think that's something to remember too. Um, that often gets probably missed because I didn't even think about this short time span, like time span of the Last Jedi, and the fact that they ended the Force Awakens saying, "Hey, our beacon was sent out," and it echoes it again. And I think that's why they say Leia's like, "Use my beacon," because like yes, the beacon's out, but they don't know it's from me yet, and they need to know I'm the one calling because I my name has mm-hmm. weight, you know, like. I'm royalty and I say, you know, and I was part of the, like the first rebellion, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I can, I can help you with this. And when still nobody answers, I do think that is a direct reflection of um, the Senate being gone. Like 
they're gone. So you have all these planets out there now who have either heard that all like the entire Senate has now been blown up and like all of the republics gone and the first order did that. Mm-hmm. Like there's not enough time for them to understand that Starkiller base is gone and we're building, you know, like I don't think the planets outside of the Senate and the Republic understand the gravity of what's going on. Right. And you know that the First Order was trying to run damage control on everything. Oh, for sure. Anyway, right. So yeah. there's not there's not even a feasible expectation that the the news got to anybody. And and I think like like we talked about uh, at the beginning of The Force Awakens and towards the end of Revenge of the Sith and towards the end of Return of the Jedi of of the fact that, yeah, the Death Star was blown up and the Emperor was gone. But there are millions of other stormtroopers that are out there right now that were like on planets doing their own stuff like that still exist. And there are probably planets out there that are like, no, we like having them here. Like, it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing for this. We we want them because, you know, you know, who knows? Um, but I think this notion that every planet in the galaxy understands that the first order is bad. I don't think it's real. Like, I do think that's. That's yeah, for sure. Is, the same resist- way that the Empire was was that for a lot of people too. I think it's the yeah. same same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, absolutely. Do you like do you like the comedy at the beginning? It's a very drastic shift in tone from how the whole comedy was set up in the first movie, but we're getting like mama jokes and trolling jokes and that kind of stuff. Um with Poe. Like the very first scene we're getting out there and Poe's just like, and your mom. And this kind of stuff. It felt funny and I loved it and I laughed at it, but it didn't really feel very Star Wars like. Um, I don't know. Do you have any issues with that at all? Is it just me? I didn't love it. It didn't draw me in. It just felt felt like a gag just, to, to gag. Yeah, it, it really did. It felt like they were just doing it for the laughs instead of to build up the character. It didn't feel it, like it was for any real purpose, which like, is why yeah. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I felt, too. Like, yeah, this is funny and I, and I enjoyed laughing at this. But like, it also doesn't feel like this is necessarily the way Poe would go about doing this. I don't know. Like. It's 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 an interesting move. The, all of the comedy through this whole film is is very very specifically chosen and it's it is it's it's interesting because I, I do think it's such a difference even when like luke is is holding the reed out and slapping ray like that's a funny moment but you're like wow i mean really i don't know it's it's an interesting thing uh for sure um speaking though of poe there at the beginning uh i didn't realize this until this watch and he even says it throughout the film i just must not have been paying attention to it super hard um but that was that was Poe's plan at the beginning. That wasn't like Leia's plan. That wasn't Holdo's plan. That was Poe's plan because she even says that because the droid makes some beeps and boops. BB-8 does. And Leia comes back into the comms and is like, yep, I actually agree with the droid. Like, you should come back. And then that's where yeah. Poe turns off his, his communicator. Mm-hmm. And so um, that that really struck a chord with me this time watching it through and like it really made a lot more sense of why Holdo treats Poe the way he does or the way she does. I'm sorry. Throughout the whole film. It's because immediately she was like, you just got all of my pilots and bombers killed because you didn't listen to the chain of command. I am not giving you anything we're doing right now. Why do you think you deserve that knowledge? 
I was yeah. always so frustrated that Holo would not give Poe the plan because you give Poe the plan. They don't go to Canto Bight. They save it. They save a few more ships like those ships are not because part of the reason that they're discovering them leaving is because Poe, not Poe, Finn and Rose and, and Benicio are on that on the fighter like they're on the dreadnought with them. And that wouldn't have happened if Holdo would have said, yeah, OK, here's the actual plan. Um, but I do think she had every right to treat Poe the way he did, the way she did. Um, I, I think it was a mistake, but I understand where she's coming from um, in that aspect. Yeah, I, I think I think his. His and in the same way that you have to sort of take everything away from them before any victory can really like matter, um, it, it, at least for us as an audience, mm-hmm. right? Um, Poe has to fail hard and then, and then he, he doesn't think he failed, right? That's how stubborn he is as right. a character. And that's really, and important. that's that. Yeah. As he fails so hard, gets all those people killed and then says, I didn't do anything wrong. That's the point. Let's keep going. And so he basically has to get like karmically slapped backhanded, right? To be and- able to really understand what's going on. And it finally happens. That single line that Leia says. To Poe uh-huh. after she come, he comes back and he's and she, he's like, there's a lot of heroes out there. And she says, yes, heroes, but no leaders. Um, and, and that's that's dead that heroes. journey. Dead heroes, you know, dead heroes, no leaders. And that is so important for Poe's character, like development and and his understanding of what it takes to be a leader and what it takes. And it's kind of the same way, you know, like l- looking at Luke, like, yes, Luke, you're here. You're a force power, but you're not leading right now. Like, yeah. We need you to yeah, do and, these things. And, yeah, that's that's basically the soundbite of the entire film, mm-hmm. right? Is yeah. everybody learning to be a leader instead mm-hmm. of just a hero? Yeah, because Finn's trying to run away. At, at the end of the film, Finn is, re- Finn is ready to sacrifice himself for the entire rebellion. And he was trying to run away and save Rey at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like his journey mm-hmm. between where he was and where he ends is so great to me. I love all of that aspect of him. Um, I wish they would have explored his force ability a little more in this film. I feel like that was something they really dropped the ball on, especially yes. hinting that force that he had force powers and the force awakens. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen them expand upon that. And, and they could have done what rise did and being like, I just kind of had a feeling like we need to go do this. Like, this is where it's at. This is, this is, you know, I like trusting Benicio del Toro in the, uh, in the cell, right. just kind of him just being like, yeah, I think we should go with him. No, what, why? I just, I just know this is the right way. Like you could have just dropped mm-hmm. tiny little hints that he's feeling and using the force, but not as a quote Jedi or like with his light lightsaber. Um, let's, let's get to Cantabite. Since we're already there, we're talking about it. Do you like the Cantabite scene? That is the one scene that people talk or the whole like Cantabite sequence. It is it does take yourself away from the pacing a little bit of the film. It feels like it's kind of struck in there and been like, okay, we need to show you a different location and go do these. We have to have something for these characters to do, so let's give them this. Um, but it's also the scene that I feel like I love because I talked to you about at the beginning. It means nothing. I mean, it doesn't always mean nothing, but it means more for the character than it does for the overarching story. And I, I like that a lot. Um, but even at that, like, man, Poe po loses. <laughs> he not only gets the bombers killed because of his dumb plan to go to Cantobite and find this master codebreaker and all these different things. He also gets several transports killed on the way to the planet. Yep. 
like and yeah man but anyways what do you think about canto bites i I know you had some words about it and i i like i like it i like the scene i I don't think it's as heavy-handed as i feel like you or maybe i don't care that it's heavy-handed as much with the message they're trying to, to share there i think a lot of the animals are intentionally um anthropomorphized in ways that are designed to make them feel like tear jerky Right. Mm-hmm. So like the, the, the puffin characters with their big watery eyes and then the, the horse analogs with their big watery eyes. Right. And there's this, there's this notion from the outside. And as someone who, you know, spent a long time in Lexington, Kentucky and has a partner who owns horses, like there's this outsider's preconception that like race animals are poorly treated and those animals live better lives than 95% of other animals mm-hmm. in in their breed, right? In their in their species. They are kings and queens, they are pampered, they are flaunted, they are loved, they are celebrated in ways that a lot of animal household pets are not. So, um the sort of like sweeping damnation of of animal racing is not my cup of tea necessarily, and I think the fact that they exaggerated the the big watery eyes of those animals to make them that much sadder in their reality, I think was a little much. Um, I love the idea. I think so. Canto bite is a good idea in in theory. And I feel like this about a lot of the movie. It was a great idea in theory and in practice, they didn't quite get there. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is because we don't see where it was going. Right. So we don't we only have like two thirds of the story, so it's impossible to really judge it. But the so it's not a pacing problem by itself. It is it is is a symptom. It is a very large symptom of a pacing problem that exists throughout the entire film. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about we talked about this in the viewings is how like I didn't feel any sort of pressure from the chasing ships because I was like, we have to. The, the 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 plan was so roundabout. It was like to stop them, we can't first of all, we can't get away. We don't have enough fuel to hyper jump or whatever, or they can just chase us. So all we can do is is float faster slightly faster than they can away. Somebody has watched way too much Battlestar Galactica. That's <laughs> who wrote this film. I feel like yes. that's because that's yes. where that pulls from. It's the silence, yes. right? Like yeah. And honestly, it's the same reason I stopped watching Battlestar Galactica because, like, this is really, really interesting. This is so slow. Mm-hmm. Like, like it a is. good slow chasing Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. That chasing happens throughout the entire film, and it's riveting and exciting the entire time. But it is slow. Like the whole chase happens like an hour and a half. You know, mm-hmm. this. You're right. I, I do feel like this chasing doesn't have much luster to it it's very um it's very we have to do this and i like the idea but they could have shown like you said a few different choices in in showing the ship when you hear the blast from the star cruiser watching the people inside the ship just shake a little bit doesn't have to be a lot but just understand that like what they're getting hit with is impacting them. And like, it's impending. It is right there. Um, and yeah. we don't, we don't get that feeling from the characters. We get that feeling from seeing the ships, 
but but none of the characters are exuding that inside of the like the ships i feel like correct that's exactly yeah. right yeah so canto by itself is a good idea i love the idea of showing the the way that that certain parties in the universe got fat off the the empire and then the first orders domination mm-hmm. right i love that idea and i love the idea of making a commentary on on consumerism in that way i think mm-hmm. it was cool i think it was not well placed i think yeah. it now is not the time right like there's a great time for it's like it's like confessing to your dad that that one time when you were a kid and you said you didn't eat a cookie you ate a cookie in the middle of your wedding vows it's like this is important and will give great opportunities for y'all to like develop your relationship but please not right now please please do other things mm-hmm. and and canto bite is that to me where it's like it's 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 and it's too much right this the sense of urgency is immediately dissipated when you spend the first three minutes showing everybody these cool shiny new things in the alien world it's like the characters aren't even in most of the shots at the beginning of candlebite it's just like look at all this cool stuff we have guys isn't that cool yeah and, and it's it is and it serves no purpose it's absolutely superficial and when you've got such a beloved series and you've got such a limited amount of time to tell a compelling story wasting any of that time is not really forgivable yeah, and I think that's partly where you and I disagree on this one because I have written down gratuitous island shots, WTF. <laughs> from, from- yes. So 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 this the, this is something I asked you to write down. Thank you because mm-hmm. because we talked about this when Ray and Luke are having their squabbles. When Ray and Luke are at each other, we're watching them. We're watching this clash of wills, and instead of watching them. We are getting all of these drone shots of this freaking island. And I understand that the metaphor is that their crashing wills were like the waves against the rock. It's like the unstoppable force and the immovable object, right? I get that. And they did it like seven times. They would like cut away from an important moment between the characters to show us more of the island. And I was like, I get it. There is an island. It yeah. is pretty. The, the island is not the point. Please stop showing it to me. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and that's where I sit here. I'm like, I, I really like these island shots. And I like the slower pace. It's not even slower pace. It's just taking that time. And you mentioned it during the review. And I think you're right that um, the time where you're in the, the, the horse creatures, you're going through the city is great. Because you're doing something and you're showing off the world. And I get that. And I get where you're coming from. And I think, and I was trying to explain this in the commentary, but I feel like it's it's a piece of cinema that I really like that I think is not something that happens very often anymore. And that may come from me enjoying a lot of older movies. I like watching, you know, 60s, 70s. I, I watch a ton of 70s horror. Like I just like that era of film a lot. And part of the fascination in that era of film was getting people to look at things and experience places that are difficult to get to because planes had only been invented for about 35 years at that point or 40 years, you know? So not everybody can hop on a plane and go to New York in six hours. Or not everybody or hop can hop on the internet and look at pictures of or these look things. at pictures of these things. So they took time in these films to really like they showed James Bond walking through a hotel. That is not something you need to show at all. 
that will never be shown in a new James Bond film. Like just all he's doing is going from point A to point B. And that's the scene. I love those scenes because it, to me, it's just like this world exists outside of just these central characters and there's other things going on. And let's just show you a little bit about where we're at and where we're at and where we are and like all these different things. And so um, I understand your point of them not doing it well. Um, just but not I, right now. Just not right now. Like, yeah, there's an immediate, there's a, there's an urgent chase scene happening. The whole film is an urgent chase scene. So this was not the film to do that. The first movie was the time to do that where you're yeah, like, that's it, fair. The, the sense of wonder and the sense of spectacle and ooh and ah, and look at all this stuff. We're in, we're well into the second movie by the time we get to Canabite and we have a lot going on. We have a lot that we haven't answered yet and we do not have time. You know, it's like, it's like trying to get, it's like trying to get to a funeral and your, your people are on the way, you're on the way to the service and you're already five minutes late. And it's like, Hey, can you stop for a hamburger? It's like, no, we can't stop for a hamburger. Yeah. Right. We're already late. <laughs> and, 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 and in this movie, they just stop. They're so like, yeah, sure. Let me ask you this question then. What would you have just removed those scenes and kept things the same? Or what I would have, I would have, what would you try to I, add in? Bullet pacing. So, you know. You know how, and this is an exaggeration, but this is closer to what I would have done than what they did. Those um, There's transition scenes that you see in a lot of the Simon Pegg movies where you get like four things happening in rapid succession to show passing of time. Like the morning will be like, you know, yes, co- coffee being brewed, coffee being poured, gulping coffee, st- slamming door in car, car screeching into parking spot. Yes. And then he's yep. like walking yep. into his office right? in the span those. of yep. like two or three seconds. Yep. That's what I needed on Canobite, where it's like, we're gone. We're here. Where's the code breaker? Can't find him. So like have them looking for the code breaker in that scene, like the first two minutes where it's just like arbitrary shots and you get those like gratuitous scenes of that small guy who's supposed to be funny. Um, Cut all that. Cut it. Kill your darlings, right? Cut that. It's not important. It doesn't tell the story. Then have your characters come through, open with them coming in through the front doors being let in, showing them being jostled around by all these people as they are led over towards someone. They are looking for this guy. They don't they don't find them. They have to try to outrun these people who are chasing them. They they hide for a little bit. That gives them a chance to like look around for the people who are chasing them. You can show off more of the world. Then the people capture them and as they're dragging them off to prison, they 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 are dragged out through more cool stuff to look at. Like you can show us all this cool stuff you want to show us and still tell the story. It's a it's again, it's a false dichotomy. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's what really gets me about that whole sequence is like, it's, it's distracting because there's already a lot happening in this movie. And to, to, to sort of throw in also, we're going to, we're going to condemn consumerism. It's like, cool. And Iron Man did it way better. (laughs) Like, don't don't give me don't try to squeeze Iron Man into four minutes in the middle of the Star Wars film because you're not going to have the same impact. Like, don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have the same issues um, about the creatures as you do. I love the porks. I'm going to be I'm going to stand porks team team porks my whole life for sure. I think they're wonderful um, and they're hilarious. And I think Chewie should have absolutely eaten that pork and then yes. looked at the other one and then put it down. Like, no, I think I think he should have looked not eaten it. Looked at the other one and then eat it. Like yeah. Chewie doesn't give a crap. <laughs> Chewie is Chewie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that could have been handled differently. I never even considered once 
um, the, the racing and horse racing aspect of those animals. And, and the fact that that, that you're right on that camp. Like I like the message they're trying to give there. And just like, we need to not only, um, like we need to make impacts wherever we go, right? Like if we're going to go do this and we have an opportunity to save these creatures, we need to save them. Whether they actually needed to be saved or not, I, I don't know, you know, but like the idea of the fact I, I do like that where they show up and they say we can affect this more than just ourselves. It'll be a small impact and they'll probably all be rounded up in about a week anyways, to, to be honest. So, like, how do they catch them to the first time? The whole point of that was to give Rose satisfaction from punching them in the face, right? To basically like punch them all in the face is what she wants to do. And what I would have liked instead was I would have loved to see them go see the animals, um, say we can free them says we don't have time. And, and they, they say they're following us anyway, let them out after we're gone. Right. And so they, they go off to do their thing. The animals are causing havoc in the backgrounds of the scenes instead so mm-hmm. that they're not, they're not the saviors, right? They don't right. have to be the saviors of everything. Right. <laughs> yeah. So then they're doing that, that all happens. And then they get in the ship and as they're flying away with the code breaker, um, like Finn hands Rose a, a, a trigger and she looks at it and she goes, what is this? And he says, press it. And she, she presses it and he like turns her around and a bomb explodes inside the casino. Right. And he was like, he was like, I might've, I might've left something for them or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, punch him in the face. Right. And you see that with all the animals running around and stuff. And you just, she gets a turn to look around at him and say, and say, um, feels good not to run away right or something like that and he he like rolls his eyes or whatever like yeah. that would have been so much better yeah you're because right because it's it's like characterization and character development and communication and relationship mm-hmm. yeah. instead of just like we good guys we save animals yay yeah it, it does feel a little bit pushed in there for for the fact yeah. shoehorned it's yeah. super shoehorned it, it is yeah and i and um i'll give you that one i won't uh i won't i won't fight for this one i understand <laughs> Um, yeah, um, we talked about Luke. Oh my gosh. An interesting aspect of this. Um, let's talk. If we have any more about Cantabite you want to discuss? No. Um, okay. Yeah. I I want to say one more thing. Benicio del Toro is amazing. I think he's fantastic. I will watch him in absolutely everything he does. And yeah, I, I, he's my favorite character in this whole film. Like the only thing he's ever done that didn't impress me was the collector in guardians. Oh yes. Yes. Disappointingly straightforward, but I don't blame him. I blame the directing. I absolutely, you can't take somebody like Benicio del Toro and then give him such a bland character to play, especially the collector. Like the collector Mm -hmm. is a really interesting Marvel character. You, you, you need to like expand on that a little bit more. I hope he comes back a little bit. I think, I think, I think, I think he can do really, really well. Um, so one of the things that, that, that Kylo does, because we really haven't talked much about Kylo's journey here um at all and it's really interesting at the beginning kylo can kill his dad but he cannot cross the line to kill his mom and is that supposed to be a representation of the good still left inside of him is it a i just can't do this i can't bring it to kill my mic i i think it's way more of just like no there's still good inside of him like he he can't pull that trigger and then to watch it happen. I love that. I love that he can't do it. And then the person next to him did. I'd like that discussion back on, on that ship um, after yeah. Kylo and everybody gets back. Cause that's like, what does Hux say? Hux is like, you could have done this and you didn't. Why? Like, 
And then he gets force choked. And then he gets force choked, obviously. Okay. Yeah. But but I do think there's an opportunity there to to address that more than they just did. Um, but but I like that. What do you think? What do you think about about him? Him not not. Is it really just showing the lights? Anything more than that? It's his arc, too. I mean, each of the characters is going through their arc in this movie. And his is that he he needs he needs his father's help to be able to kill him. Right. Because he can't do it on his own. He can't. And even after he does it, he realizes that I can't do this anymore. Like I did it. I did it. I'm strong. See how strong I am. And then he's like. I can't. Mm-hmm. Right? he's like, I just can't do this again. And I think that's 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 his acknowledgement in himself that he is not who he thinks he is. Okay. In the same way that a lot of the characters are acknowledging that for themselves. Right. Where right. where the story they've telling they've been telling themselves, the stories they've been told don't have to be the way things are. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right there. I like that part of it. Um I also want to mention and discuss real quick when Kylo destroys um his helmet. That he doesn't have to. Um, and, and they, they do, we'll talk about it in the next film a little bit. Cause, but I want to mention it here. Like just, I yeah. think it's a good thing that they did that. And I think, I think Snoke yeah. is looking at Kylo and saying, well, stop it. Putting, putting a, a, a helmet on and pretending to be Darth Vader does not make you Darth Vader. Like, correct. You, this is not how you're going to accomplish this. No, I will show you. How to, it's a child's fantasy. It is. I will show you how to do this, but it's not the way that you think it is. Absolutely. And I think it's beautiful and I love it. And they mess it up in the next film. And we will talk about that when we get there. <laughs> but I wanted to mention it here. So when we get there, we can have a discussion about it. Good. Um, so you wrote this and you asked me to put this down. Um, and so I don't have very many questions left. I only have one more question after this this topic. So we can we can discuss more if we need to. I still want to kind of I, we breached it a little bit. We've talked about the 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 scene between Luke and Kylo. I feel like um, yeah. enough. So, you wanted me to write down following your heart change up, and then the Rose character shift at the end, and the notion of of following your heart versus doing what's the best for the collective good, right? Um, and and the difference between there because Rose at the very beginning is is doing her job doing her job correctly and doing everything that she needs to. And she helps Finn out and she makes him realize there's more to this than just you. And then at the end, she does have much, a little character shift and she switches over because I was fully prepared for, to, for Finn to die driving into yeah. that. And I was ready. I was like, I can't believe they're doing this, but I'm ready. It makes sense. I get it. Like this is an interesting thing to happen, but it's cool. Um, I like honestly where they went with it afterwards. I think them blowing it up and doing all that actually ended up being way more interesting in the end. Cause we get Finn and I'm not going to argue about getting John Boega for another movie. Like I absolutely want that. Um, but talk to me on your side, really about what you were thinking about when, when that shift that happens kind of, but kind of with all the characters a little bit. Um, not so much Ray, but really like Luke. Luke follows his heart, and then he shifts at the end to like help everybody else and save and like understands what he has to do. Um, but I know you wanted me to kind of touch on that, write it down. So I wanted to get your thoughts on all of it, if if you can. Thank you. Yeah, I I do, and I want to do it. And let me. Sorry, I pulled up the scene because I want to. I want to watch what they do to each other. 
Because when Finn gets out of that cockpit, he is pissed. Oh, he's, yeah. Right? He is so mad. And he charges over there and he's screaming at her. And, like, I, I imagine that he's going to, like, drag her out of that cockpit and punch her in the face. And why would you do that? He says, why would you do that? I was almost there. Why would you stop me? And she says, I saved you, you idiot. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is why I want to talk about it. Yes. Because that's that's how we're going to win. Not fighting what we hate, but protecting what we love. Woo. It gets me choked up yeah. just seeing it yeah. again. It's great. So what I love about that is the notion that Rose learns her journey is that sometimes doing the job means ignoring the rules. Right? Because at the beginning, she's committed to the rules. But at the same time, there's this beautiful duality in those two scenes between the two of them because both times she says, I will not let you run away. Yeah. I will not let you run away. You cannot leave us. And that is so beautiful because it it represents another shift in this dichotomous understanding of good and evil. This notion that we have to give everything to protect what what we love to protect the rebellion, right? To protect freedom. And the notion that she says, if we all die in the process, who's going to be around to enjoy it? Right? Like it's that whole eye for an eye makes the world blind sort of concept. And I love that. And it's very similar to the, the beginning and it kind of mirrors Poe's like and Leia's conversation. Yes. Like just in Poe's like we, because that conversation for Finn is like, we destroyed the thing that was going to hurt us. And Rose yeah. is like, yeah, but that doesn't really matter right now. Like, yeah, we we need we like, what are we gonna do if we can't live after this? Like, you know, like, right, you're more important to us alive right now than you are ever going to be destroying that single each single one of piece us of is equipment. right. Every She's single not person just talking here. about yeah. you and me, like, yeah, each right. other. Like, mm-hmm. we need to stand by each other, right? That's how we win. Yes. And and what I love about that is that this is a, a huge shift for her character. And the reason I asked you to write it down is because this exemplifies what is wrong with this movie, because we didn't see that arc. We didn't see that shift in her. We didn't. And that's a, You're right. That is a part of her arc that is monumental. She just did a 180 on us in terms of what she values. And we didn't get to see her make up her mind that that was how she does it. I feel like that's right. what Cantobite was trying to do. And trying to tell, like, trying to show right. us, like, I understand, like, this oppression that's being put upon us on the First Order. And I understand we need to save everybody from this oppression when we can. And right. it's not just about destroying them, but it's about making sure everybody else gets to live this life. But you're right. They didn't really do a great job of that, even in Canto Bites. Like, it was very, it was just kind of a, of, of a, well, we're going to go do this thing. And, and, and anytime you, you have animals and and that aren't wild and free is bad. Like that seems yeah. to be like, was, that message just like, that well, goal. well, we're here. So we might as well. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it mm-hmm. would have been so much better to like show them doing it in like that while they're in the jail cell next to the races, they can look out and see that happening or they can look out and see the animals also yeah. caged up. And they're like, we're you're all, absolutely right. We're, we're all, we're all trapped down here. Aren't we? And that way we, you're, you're making us watch it, but you're making us watch it because we also feel trapped here. Yes. Right. Yes. And so you can, you can do those things. And also continue the story at the same time. And yeah. that's that's really where I, I get frustrated. Yeah. I'm also a huge, huge, um, uh, what's the word? Antagonist against noble sacrifice chains. Um, whenever whenever movies start going down that, that rabbit hole of noble sacrifices, it's like, I'll stand back and buy you more time. Go. Oh, yeah. Holdo? Uh, Who needs to fly that ship? 
Who? No one. No one Literally. needs to fly that ship. And for the first 10 minutes, she doesn't even do that. She just stands there like an idiot and just, watches ships get blasted out of the air. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so mad. Yeah. It's so I frustrating. Hate I hate yeah. that. I like the immediate scene after that. It's one of my favorite and coolest parts I've ever seen in all mm-hmm. of Star Wars. It is awesome. Oh, yeah. 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 But but I feel like it would have been so much better if she's like, somebody needs to stay behind and pilot the ship and then just like winks at Leia and then immediately goes and does what she does and not like, wait, you know, like I have right. to stay back for a reason and you'll like this reason. <laughs> just watch, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the, the noble sacrifice part of that. It, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, make that noble sacrifice feel justified um, because of so many in-world explanations and reasons why this just wouldn't work. Like Mm. you have probably 30 droids on those transports right now that can pilot that ship. Like Mm -hmm. it sucks. We could put C-3PO there and just say, 3PO, make sure this button keeps on getting pushed. (laughs) Like that's Mm -hmm. it. That's all you need to do. You have astromech droids that I'm sure can pilot those ships, you know, like, The notion that there wasn't enough fuel in the engines to keep the ship going, but that it can suddenly jump is like jump the light speed. Yeah. Yeah. I know that, that too. There's, it, there's a lot about that sequence that I think is, is frustrating and confusing. Um, mostly because I think th- it undermines the whole concept of valuing life more than the first order does. Right. Like that's what makes the rebels special is that they value life. They protect life. They think it's worth mm-hmm. protecting Right. And they 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 will stand up for it. And so the notion that she just stands after all the hard times she gives Poe about being reckless and being selfish and being dumb. The notion that she stands there horrified and does nothing for so long while her people are being annihilated is unacceptable. From a character point of view, it is yeah. from a from a theme point of view, from a story point of view, it's absolutely unacceptable. Mm hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, they could have done that much, much better. Um, I agree, hundred percent. Okay, let's talk about it. The end, because this is where we're at. This is yeah. where where is, I wasn't planning on watching this whole movie during our review, but I'm here. Like I'm at the end credits almost at this point. Like this is a long time. Luke Skywalker finally shows up, and it is, it's wonderful. I love this scene. I love everything about this. I think it's great. I like that he. Sh- I don't really. I feel like he, I don't know. I, I get maybe why they made him show up younger because he wanted to present him that himself that way to, to, I, I think that's an unnecessary thing though. Like, I think they could have had him show up as he is and not such a younger version of himself. Um, what do you think? Do you think like, what's the reasoning behind that? Is it just to, like, I don't know, present himself to Kylo as Kylo once knew him like, or I guess, I don't know. It's it's the one part of this ending that I don't really understand and the only part of it that I don't like because I like everything I else that happens. I don't think he's younger. I think he just I think he just did his hair. I think he cared. <laughs> okay. I think he's presenting I think he's pro- it's a projection, right? This is what this So is he's what presenting he, himself how he thinks is, he looks. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and honestly, if he if he wasn't like living like a hermit on an island, he he would probably look that way like yeah he would look clean and nice and tidy and groomed and his hair that's would a look good point yeah i can accept right? that i'll accept that reason 
Um, do you like this end part of it? Do you like the force projection? Do you like this whole concept yes. of like letting him? I love it. I think it's I love great. It cause, yeah, because yeah, I think the showdown, the notion by this point that like, because he shows you like through Kylo's actions, Kylo's actions reinforce for us that that he is determined to annihilate Luke, right? Like mm-hmm. Luke represents everything that he hates. Luke is the source of his hate because it was his foundational betrayal effectively right and it, that betrayal stung so deeply that he was willing to kill his father before he start before he felt bad enough to realize that maybe that wasn't such a great idea um but he and he couldn't kill his mother but boy oh boy was he gonna annihilate luke yeah right more and, yeah yeah <laughs> so and good it's, it's and it's just so telling that like even when you're dealing with forces this large like the first order that ultimately some idiot is in charge and that idiot can be driven by emotions right yeah like and so I think it's amazing. I, I think I, I what it. one of the most compelling parts of this whole sequence is when Huck says enough and Kylo doesn't argue. Mm-hmm. That's maybe the first time that Kylo doesn't attempt to have initiate conflict with Hux. Mm-hmm. And it's because his, his he is just lasered in on Luke. And I think that tells so much about Kylo's obsession, mm-hmm. right? And Kylo's frustration, Kylo's hate. And do you think we got him? <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's so good. It is. It is. And, and Kylo doesn't even like respond. He doesn't take the bait. Normally he would like freak out. And now he doesn't mm-hmm. because he's single minded. Yeah. Right. And this is, and, and Luke, Luke knows, Luke absolutely knows it. And he knows that that's how, he distracts them. Yep. Is he by being them. a distraction. Yeah. Oh man. And, and the fact that the fact that it takes them so long, they're like, well, we're trapped. What are we going to do? What is he doing? Like that whole sequence felt too unnecessarily oh, yeah. self-congratulatory. For, for, sure. for sure. Where it's yeah. like, where it's like, it should have just been like, what's he doing? Why would he, he's obviously like, someone's like, he's, he, Leia, Leia should immediately have said he's buying us time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, Poe whirls on her and goes, for what? And she looks at him and like lets him figure it out, right? Yeah. Just looks at him, gives him a second to be Just like a little nod, like, like, come on, man, you can do this. And you then Poe open and then Poe's eyes widen and he says, How did he get in? Right? Quick cut to them going out the back of the cave. Yep. You know, trying coming on the rocks. It's locked. What do we do? Quick cut to like the boulder shift. They start floating up and, and like light illuminates the screen, and there's Ray standing there. Yeah. Right, it could be so much quicker, so much easier, so much and faster. Epic and just awesome, and just yes! like have some gravity to that scene. And then, and then she's like, "We need to leave now." Yeah, right. And the notion that like more destroyers are warping in, and like, oh gosh, is- that been so great. Yeah, and and instead, and instead, you just get like this back and forth, and it's all it, it's the same problem that the rest of the movie has. The pacing is garbage. Pacing yeah, I, is just hot garbage. I do, I do, I, I, I can, do, I can throw my hands up and say this pacing it does have a lot of issues. Um, not only in just like an overarching film, but like individual scenes have very bad pacing issues inside of themselves. Yeah. Um, so it does make the whole film just feel very like there's a lot of good moments and a lot of great things I love about it, but it does feel very kind of like slow. And then the moments that they like, it's like they're focusing on the wrong moments in the scene, but they that they don't need to focus on these parts of it. Right. Um, which I know is going to come and bite me in the ass when we talk about those gratuitous island scenes. But <laughs> um, okay, so speaking, we yeah, go for go it. Ahead. 
I was just no. going to say, speaking of gratuitous scenes, we needed to touch on Leia using the Force. Oh my gosh, yes. And then I also for totally missed on the throne room scene, which we have to discuss a little bit because yeah. I still get chills from that. Um, I I was not, yeah, I was not very like happy with, with the way Leia moved the Force at the beginning. Um, but after I watched it the next few times, I think it's awesome. And I love the fact that she uses a force. And I think, and I, I love that it's a last ditch effort. Like yep. it's not the sort of thing that she was proud to do. It's not the sort of thing that she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it was, it was, it was so interesting. And it's such a, it's such juxtaposition between her character and Luke's that she, she also was shut off from the force for so long because she, she had her reasons. Right. And, but she had this, in her the whole time and she yeah. chose not to use it and it just speaks so much to her her leadership and to her talents that that she believed in the people around her more than she believed in herself and she only used it when it was yeah. it was literally do or die yep yep i love it i love it um all right let's let's get into the throne room and then we'll be uh, out of here we'll do our quick rankings and we'll, we'll we'll bounce um all i have to say about the throne room scene is it's rivals the phantom menace um Darth Maul scene for me as far oh, as yeah. epic Fight mus- musical moments in Star Wars. Yes. It's it's yes. just and like the whole and like you have Andy Circus there doing the best possible job he possibly can with so with Snoke and like the turning of the lightsaber and his and directing all of that and Kylo and everything that's going on there. And then you get the most beautiful thing I've seen. And like it still gives me chills to this day when Kylo pulls the lightsaber from Snoke's uh, throne and Ray mm-hmm. catches it. And I was mm-hmm. not expecting that at all the first time. And I remember just getting like, she catches it and then you get this magical swell of star Wars music that happens mm-hmm. and we're fighting and we're in yep. and it's awesome. And I love it. And it's so good. And then the end scene when Ray is like, we have to save these people. And then that's where you get that dichotomy between her and, and, Mm-hmm. like kylo and kylo's always the, like no i'm the, i am the leader why now. like we yeah. why like think bigger think think big like we can control the whole who's gonna stand up to us right we're the only mm-hmm. two force users in the universe left you know like who's gonna do this to us um and uh, yeah i think that's 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 awesome i don't know quick thoughts on on the throne room scene i don't want to give it too much uh i don't want to not touch on it enough but i know we're running up on time here too I just love the way they choose to allow the characters fighting styles to reflect their personalities. And honestly, like Ray, Ray does so much better in this sequence than she does in many of the others because she's not just thrust, thrust, thrusting anymore. Right. She's mm-hmm. actually doing something different. And that's all just nice words to throw in at the beginning, because all I want to say is I would happily watch Kylo Ren fight for two and a half hours. Yes. The way, the way Adam driver fights is so, brutal and efficient and clumsy and oafish and visceral it's just yeah, it's so it, wonderful it, it's 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 so gratifying in a way that 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 is really hard to replicate right mm-hmm. unless you actually maybe punched somebody in the face yes who was being a yeah that that would be really the only the the closest one it's just so gratifying it's so good yeah nope i'm with you i love that scene so much yeah, yeah. You know, every every bit of it. Every right? bit of it. It's it's, yep. it's epic. It's it's definitely one of my favorite lightsaber fights of all time. Oh yeah, so yeah. We'll it's gonna. To... We are we are getting into <sighs> that right now. Let's start ranking some shows. That was the last Jedi. 
man i feel like we could go another two hours and discuss on yes. these things too like yes. the last jedi is such an interesting film mm-hmm. um for all of these things so we don't have that kind of time though and you can watch this shoot us an email call me i'll talk to you about the last jedi all you want to <laughs> um let's rank some stuff so speaking of lightsaber fights let's just get right into that i think this is my second favorite i i absolutely agree okay it's it's not difficult i i, I think i think i think the phantom menace is the only thing that 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 brings us for me um yeah. at all at, at, at all um yep so, lightsaber fights, The Phantom Menace, The Last Jedi, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, Force Awakens, Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, A New Hope. Those are where our lightsaber fights right now. Opening crawls. This is a interesting opening crawl because it gives you a lot of detailed, intricate information. Um, and I like it, and I think the last paragraph is very clumsy. And so... It's one of those things where if I was to put it someplace, I would probably put this one maybe below The Force Awakens on our list right now. So right now we have The Rens of the Sith, Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, Attack of the Clones, The Force Awakens, The Phantom Menace, and Return of the Jedi. So I'd slot this one in between The Force Awakens and Phantom Menace as like the third lowest. Um, how how do you like this crawl? I do not. Yeah. I like it a lot, but my big problem is actually, um, I like the last one. Like, really, I, I think the I last think one's it, just like a throw-on kind of like, like it could have been like, the last one to me feels so much different than the other two paragraphs. I feel like. Yeah, I think. I I don't know. I like this a lot more than you do. I think. Okay. Um, but I I am happy to put it where where you want to put it because I think any higher feels wrong yeah we're getting to the point where like here's the thing i like all these opening crawls the only one i really don't care for is return of the jedi as much and and um but the the yeah so yeah let's slot it i just think the force awakens one is great Um, i agree i am very excited to get into our next topic this is the by the way the next movie is our last opening crawl well we never have to because there's no opening crawls in solo or um, Mm -hmm. rogue one um, so this will be our, our final list after that one. Okay, wow. this is the discussion. This is the tough one. Where are we going to rank this movie at? Because our it's current list, favorite. Yeah, I know. Current <laughs> list is, is Empire Strikes Back, The Phantom Menace, A New Hope, Attack of the Clones, The Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, every other film in the franchise, and then Revenge of the Sith. I will let you put it as high on the list as. Well, I want to split it between us. I, I don't want to just because honestly, well, I, but I'm looking, I'm looking at the like, I'm looking at the other ones and I'm like, I can put, I can see, especially given how much discussion it's generated. Like I can see putting this below a new hope. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's where it needs to be. Yeah. It is below a new hope um, above attack of the clones. That's exactly what I think. Yep. Yep. I think that's a great idea. I would still rather watch Attack of the Clones, but, you know. Yeah, that's see, Yeah. <laughs> that's I tough. To, I, I, it was a cheap shot. I should. I should. I should it's say. tough. No, it's tough because I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you sometimes, but like. 
I like The Last Jedi more, but the other one is easier for me to digest on like a more recent basis, I guess. Yeah. Um, Attack of the Clones is is great. I, I don't know. I like all of these. I'm, I'm having a much greater appreciation for all these movies than I ever thought I was going to by doing this. This is um, great. Yeah. Um, that's it, folks. We have The Rise of Skywalker next, and then we're done with the saga. Um, and we have uh, Solo and Rogue One after that, and then we'll be done. Getting on to other things besides Star Wars. That'll be exciting. But Star Wars will always be here. Oh, it will. And you better believe we will be reviewing the next film that comes out and adding (laughs) to our lists for sure. Um, But that's really all we have today. You can email us at uh, podcast at infinitepulp.com. You can find Max a lot of places that he's about to tell you. Yep. I'm Max Baron Reed. Pretty much all the things. I'm on Facebook. I'm on the YouTube. I'm on the Twitter. I'm on the Instagram. Come say hi. I'd love to hear from you. Yep. We would love to hear from all of you. You can catch me on everywhere. Damped Mango. D-A-M-P-3-D Mango. It's kind of my handle all over the place. So just look it up. It'll get there to any social media as you like. We also have a Twitter um, account that posts very sparingly, but we do try to post uh, at least when our shows are dropping and some other things. But um, that's just Infinite Pulp. That's all there is to it. Um, you can definitely do that. And uh, that's about it. The one thing that I will send and message you and try to push out for us is Infinite Pulp officially um, after this weekend will be expanding our podcast offerings for you. We have it's been talked about a while and we talked about even last November, um, but we're finally getting it up going. Our first recording is happening on Sunday and it honestly has to post right away because it's a current topic podcast. But we are finally doing a video game podcast. It's called dot VG. It'll be available everywhere. I will spell it out for you. It's D.O.T. and then a period VG. Um, But the official title is just called dot VG. It's going to be Infinite Pulp Presents. Dot VG and our new podcast name for this one is going to be the Infinite Pulp Show, I believe, or the Infinite Pulp. I have to challenge the Infinite Pulp is now becoming our overarching brand, and we're going to start doing different things with some of the podcast offerings, diversifying the portfolio. Yes, that's what we are doing. I believe it's going to post on Monday because we're recording on Sunday. Um, so check that out in a few days. Um, I will put links in the description, hopefully to the different ones. I have to make sure it's up and going. I, I think I'm available on all the podcast networks. Well, all I have to do now is hit here's the, the show and it'll pop up for everybody, but, um, we'll try to get this one going as well. And, um, we'll go from there. So look for that one on Monday and uh, we'll see you later. Any last words? The the end of the third trilogy is coming up, everybody. I'm Gosh. really excited to be there for it. Yes, I am so excited. We're going to have a guest on that one. Uh, Drew's coming back for us um, right. because I need ammo and support uh, for mm-hmm. that. Because mm-hmm. I, have a, I am very well prepared for this argument. Yes, and Max made me like the movie a little bit more than I have liked it before when we did our commentary. So... I need to rewatch it again by myself to be like, okay, this is actually how I feel about this. Because watching something with a friend is always way better than watching it by yourself. It just is. And so I'm here to help you have better taste. That's what I exist for. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We'll see you you next time, everybody. Goodbye.